This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city. What's up, people? It's me, Ramon. Welcome to the podcast that will entertain, educate, and inform you. Grab a ball and get ready for this serving of cornbread and caviar. What's up, people? It's me, Ramon. I'm your host, and I want to welcome you back to another episode of Cornbread and Caviar, the podcast that will entertain, educate, and inform you. Thank you for joining us today for what promised to be uh, an incensing episode. Um, follow us on Instagram at Eat Cornbread and Caviar, and feel free to hit us up with questions, comments, concerns, show ideas, etc. at eatcornbreadandcaviar at gmail.com. Today, I am joined by the one of the hardest working producers and co-hosts, the phenomenal, never to be underestimated, the pretty boy himself. Good morning, everybody. It's James Brandon. Good morning, James. Good morning. And unfortunately, uh, the beautiful, voluptuous, resident voice of hospitality and custodian of truth, my sister, Maria Renee, could not be with us today. Uh, she is getting herself righteously right. She's at this 12-hour-long <laughs> church service. I would never... Um, I used to do stuff like that, and I'm, hey, good for you. Get clean, get right, etc. I pray daily, and I'm clean, and I'm right. But if you want to be in a church service, that's great. Um, so, yes. Now you guys will actually have a chance to miss her. Now you she will. every fucking time. <laughs> right. She, she will absolutely, you will absolutely have a chance to actually miss her. Because most of you who listen to the show, you know that every fucking time she gets on here, she goes, hello, hello, did you miss me? To which I typically reply, no. Uh, James goes back and forth. Either way, we do miss you today, Maria Renee. I know it's yeah. a rhyme. Let's see the idea there. It's a rhyme. <laughs> oh, goodness. And we have a very special guest in the studio today. One of my good friends. Oh, wait. Let me rephrase it. As he says it, I'm a friend of a, I'm a friend of somebody he knows. So a friend of a, a friend. A friend of a friend. There we go. He doesn't call me his own friend. He calls me a friend of a friend. Kind of an asshole, but I love him anyway. Um, my buddy Rasheed's in, all, in, the, in the building with us today. Hi, Rasheed. Hello, Ramon. Thanks oh. for having me. Oh, I, oh he's being formal. <laughs> Hello, Rasheed. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks. Wonderful. So, uh, welcome to Cornbread and Caviar. We're happy to have you on. Thank you for uh, giving me this idea for this particular show topic, this very incensing show topic. And as I was preparing for this show, I was getting pissed off reading certain things that I came up with, which we're about to go through a bunch of different things as we get into the show. So if you've listened to Corbett and Caviar, which you have, Rashid, make, just jump in, just comment, talk about whatever, take it as far as you like to go. Otherwise, I got a whole lot of shit that I'm going to be talking about anyway. So you just jump in, and I'm glad that you are here. And I'm glad to see you on early in the morning. I'll typically probably still be asleep, so... Fair enough, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, thank you for your service. You are a veteran. We appreciate you. Thank you for your service, for protecting us and keeping us safe. We appreciate you. Although it's not Veterans Day, still, thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. We love you. Well, they love you. Um, <laughs> so we are going to go into the portion of the show, you can be first, where we do our shout-out. So 
uh, shout outs. Basically, you're shouting out a, a brown owned business, person, place, or thing, or even a person that's not in our community who's doing something great for our community. Or you can do a shade shout out for somebody or something that you don't like. Um, you don't have to mention names. You can mention names. You can do a shade shout. So this is the portion where we do the shade and shade shouts and shout outs. You can do as many as you like. So who would you like to shout out or shade shout out? You know, I can't think of nobody at the time. I wasn't. I guess I wasn't prepared as I thought I was. That's okay. You can. How about okay. shout out to the brown owned businesses though? Boom. There you go. That's perfect. That's right up our alley here at Cornbread and Caviar. Shout out to the brown owned businesses here in Detroit and everywhere. So yes. Mm-hmm. James, shout outs, shade shouts. You know, I always have a shout out and I don't have one today. What is And that I one? was gonna shout myself out, but I do that a lot. So <laughs> I was like, let me not do that, but I don't I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Actually I will shout myself out. So That's okay. Yeah. I've been doing great at work. So I didn't know I had a goal to meet until a couple weeks ago. So they gave me a couple weeks to meet my goal and I exceeded it. So shout out to myself. Fuck them white people. <laughs> oh wow <laughs> let's just hope they don't hear they won't um because <laughs> then they'll fuck you no. uh, exactly well, i don't feel like fuck white people just fuck those who are fucked up and treat us like shit those mm-hmm. ones i say fuck there we go that's uh, what i meant yes um but yeah good job you've been Killing it in your new career since you've been, you've been in since Thank March you. now. And it's okay to shout yourself out because things change in your life. And so mm-hmm. as you shout yourself out, you're shouting out different aspects of your life. So that's pretty good. And you've been killing it, doing a really great job. Thank you. Of course, me being an 11-year veteran in banking, you know, I'm a pretty good mentor and coach for it. So, <laughs> you know. You are. Yeah, you know. You are, definitely. So I appreciate Put that out there. <laughs> put that out there, you know. Um what about you? Your shout out for the day. My shout out for the day is I'm going to shout out. Wait, as you were saying, you didn't have yours and Rasheed was stumbling over his. I had something in mind and I lost it. Let me think. I, wait, it's coming back. Give it a second. Give it a second. I'm sure it's running around in that big old head. <laughs> I want to shout out uh, my girl, Shar. She's been on the show. Um, Shar was talking about relationships and she's currently pursuing or will be soon pursuing. So she says, I mean, obviously, I don't believe anything until anybody says, until they show me the proof, but she's going to be pursuing some kind of mechanical, uh, mechanics licensing because she wants to uh, open an all women's mechanics garage, which I think would be amazing. Amazing. That would Mm -hmm. be amazing. Shout out to her. Yeah, shout out to Shar. That's my girl. We work together. I saw her yesterday and after work for a brief moment, and uh, we test drove this vehicle that um, her and I were looking at or considering buying, and I decided to pass on it because the engine was uh, that transmission and shift right. So <laughs> it was nice, but I'm not about to, you know, we know how you just want a little little beater car just to save miles on your lease or whatever. So, mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, so shout out to Shire. I believe that you will do it, and when you're ready to do it, I will help you with the planning and all that other business stuff that. Um, you might need help with, or you can hire an attorney. Either way, however, I am not an attorney, but I'm knowledgeable. And you only have to pay me, I don't know, $20,000. <laughs> oh, um, so, yeah, shout out to Shout Char. out to Shar. Love her. Now, here's a random question of the day, guys. This is the random question. I don't know if you've heard our random questions. Sometimes they're raunchy. Sometimes they're very thought-provoking. Sometimes mm. they're just all over the place because it's me and I come up with them. So I need to move this mic because I can't look at this and see your face. There you are. <laughs> there you are. I had to move the. I had to move Maria Renee's mic stand out of the way because she's not here today. Um, 
Here's the random question of the day. What did you say as a kid when you were asked, what would you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Either one of you can go first. I always said a teacher. A teacher? Mm-hmm. Did you have the privilege of seeing a teacher in the front of the classroom that looked like you growing up or no? Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. Good. That's very good. That's rare. I mean, I'm, I mean, it's getting more and more prevalent now. I don't know, but a lot of times you see a you know, white person or other people up there, but I'm glad to see here that you saw a brown person up there that looked like you. Did yeah, you not? I had a, I had a lot of uh, mentors early in my life, so like, even in elementary school, I felt like a lot of people like took to me and, and gave me a lot of knowledge, mm-hmm. especially in school, so it influenced me a lot. Have you been sharing that knowledge with other people? Um, yeah, if they're willing to listen and yeah. accept it, I'm, I'm not about that to force part. nobody to waste my breath, right? I fucking waste my breath. There was a, a teacher of mine, his name was Mr. Howard, I think it was in sixth grade, and he asked us, what defines a man? Hmm. So he said, you know, y'all, I think we were like 10 or 11, he said, you know, the next chapter, you know, you're going to be man, what defines a man? Right. And we all just, you know, you said, oh taking care of your family or having a family or getting a car, driving people where they need to be or feeding people. He said, that's all good. But he said that, and I'll never forget this. Well, I haven't. Hopefully I never do. But he said that what defines a man is how you deal with situations. And if you deal with situations as best you can as they approach you, then that's all you can do as a man. He said, you do the best you can. As the situation approaches you, he says, there's always going to be situations that need to be taken care of. As long as you do your best, then you're a man. You're, you're that man that you want to be. So that always stuck with me. I love that. What's his name? It was Mr. Howard at Bustle Middle slash Elementary School on Whoa. Van Dyke <laughs> and Kirchville, which is now Marcus Garvey Academy. Mr. Brussel. Mr. Howard. Howard. Oh, Howard. At Bustle. Oh, Brussel. Mr. Howard. Well, there's your shout out. Shout out to Mr. <laughs> Howard. <laughs> That was a very good lesson. Doing the best you can when situations arise. Mm-hmm. Even when all the odds are against you. Shout out to Mr. Howard. I wonder if he's still teaching. Probably. Teaching. I wonder. Well, you up in age, so he probably was up in Ooh. age too. So, you know. I'm much younger <laughs> than you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure. Okay. What did you say that you wanted to be when you were a child? A professional baseball player, but it was only to make my mom happy. Money, money, because money, that's money. What she, right? That's what she was. She loves the Tigers. She has always loved the Tigers. And she, um, I did Little League and all that good shit. I played baseball for like eight years, ten years. I was on a travel league or the all-star team and wow. all of that. I was really good at it, but I got to a point where I realized I was only doing it to make my mom happy. I wasn't happy with doing it. So, so your, your, your gayness intersected unwell with that macho yes it did sport. <laughs> it did it did no because there are i'm pretty sure there are a lot of gay baseball players but it just <laughs> how sure <laughs> how sure are you <laughs> well one Good time question. no i'm just kidding um so well i was a gay baseball player so <laughs> but yeah that's what i wanted to be yeah, I've always said that if I have a son, I would want them to be a baseball player just because the money that they get compared Man, to other sports. Just... I didn't know until recently how much money they made. I guess they play like 100 and some games a year or a season. I was like, are you kidding me? The money they make? I thought, I'm up here thinking it's basketball, no, making the money, a football. baseball. I said, when I learned the MLB, I said, damn it, mother. Why don't you get me into baseball? 
God that's damn where the it, money is. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, teen teen. <laughs> <laughs> what did you want to be? You just told us what she wanted you. What to be. she wanted you to be. No, based. that's what I, I wanted didn't. to be based on her. But yeah. think about it now. If you had to think about it back then, is there anything else that made you feel like I could really see myself doing that? No, just baseball. It was just baseball. It was all about making my mom happy. Aww. Okay, that was mm-hmm. sweet. What a sweet baby. Mm-hmm. Sweet baby. Well, me. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, always. So, um, I had <laughs> I had a whole company name. I'm literally I made my mom buy me these the little calculator where the tape comes out of it, and you know I was doing my little calculations and doing all this stuff. I had I literally my company's name was Harris Enterprises, and I literally had I don't know how, but I had stacks and stacks and stacks of work that I created for myself. <laughs> I had receipt papers I used to write out for people, and it was like this whole company that I created out of my imagination and I'm not exactly sure what our business industry was we were just like a multinational multi uh, industry conglomerate type of company I had phones not I mean obviously these phones were not connected to any real landline service but I was talking to people I had I was talking to imaginary people I was having conversations and doing my little work and writing this out, writing out. I was really good at this business. And so I always wanted to be in business and be an entrepreneur and run my own company. So, you know, though I'm slowly progressing there, I would say being a realtor kind of gives me that feel. Having a podcast gives me that feel. And I'm creating some entities now that I have the opportunity to do so. Um, So I'm actually getting towards what I was absolutely born to do because I just love the idea of, of being an entrepreneur. And I loved it since I was a little boy. So... I know it's very generic and very broad, a businessman, but whatever that business is, I always wanted to do it because I always wanted to run my own shit. So. Question. Yes. What age were you around when you were having these ideas or thoughts? Probably like, when did my imagination, was it the most wildest? Probably seven, eight, nine, ten, and then as you get to 12 and 13, you start kind of growing up a little bit, but like seven, as early as six, seven years old. Did you see? A, did you have a lot of role models, representations that you looked up to? So, everybody was white. <laughs> that was entrepreneur, and I don't remember any people that looked like me that had a business or was not. Because I mean, I don't even know if I'm sure Kwame wasn't around at that time. Neither was Archer. I think I was way older when they were in office. That would have been something to look up to. Obviously, Barack Obama was nowhere, nowhere, nowhere to be found. He was probably still in college at the time. And hip-hop. Know. Hip-hop created a lot of um, role models and representatives, but that came but that later, negative, too. that negative, though. Well, well, early on. Diddy and, you know, yeah. and all these these people that's coming now. How do you say Diddy, Master P, all these rappers that 50 Cent and turn a businessman. Mm-hmm. You start to see a lot of them around, yeah. I think, the late 90s. But before that, yeah. it was hard for us to, I think, identify or see representation as businessmen or a way to get there. That that whole path seemed unclear. Yeah, and all the ones that were out were really like, wasn't it gangster rap at the time? I mean, I'm talking about late ni- Well, no, late, late 80s, early 90s, kind of. You had... I don't know if Run DMC was popular then or something like that. I don't know. But I guess there were some. But I guess for me, I never really connected as much with, like, rap and hip-hop. I was always more like, I didn't. I'm, no I'm ghetto like, boys. No ghetto boys. <laughs> <laughs> I never connected with hip-hop like that. It was always R&B and 
soul and jazz and classical. And I mean, I was a, you know, but I never. And Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand for sure. Shirley Bassey, Nina Simone. All those, like, those are, that's what I liked. I don't know why, but. And of course, some gospel. He was gay. (laughs) I was. I'm not no more than He's delivered. No. (laughs) Far from it. Far from it. Gay as fuck. Far from it. Um, I, yeah, so I don't know. To answer your question, no. Magic wasn't doing his thing just yet with, like, Starbucks and all these other things. Mm-hmm. So I I can't say that I can think of anybody that stood out to make me want to be. Well, my grandfather, because he was a bishop, and he had an organization that he created called the Holy National Assembly of Truth, and he would bring a lot of churches together from across the region, I would say that, and then we'd all go to church convention every year, and he was the most, the, 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 he was the entrepreneurial spirit that I saw, and I'm pretty sure I took on a lot of cool. what he was. So the, I, I, I was thinking of famous people, but my grandpa's famous to me. So, yeah, my grandpa, uh, Bishop Harris, who the late Bishop Harris, um, he was my entrepreneurial, I, entrepreneurial idol. That's very cool. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess I did have that. So that, that's, yeah, I miss my grandparents, but, yeah. Um, and my grandma, she pastored the church, and he oversaw the organization or whatever so yeah i guess that was it that was my those were my role models not just grandpa but grandma too so pastor and bishop Harris. so yeah yeah i missed them though shout out to them shout out to my shout out to mumsy shout out to crazy mumsy who helped to cultivate that um desire in me because she bought she bought all this shit for me and (laughs) found me phones and shit and you know the business phones all the buttons on it and everything like Mm -hmm. you know uh so she helped to cultivate that and Spent her money on it, but I guess for her, if it kept me busy, even though I wasn't doing kept shit, kept you out of her hair. Kept me out of her hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was busy as hell. I would wake up on the Saturday morning to start working at like nine o'clock, and I wouldn't get done until like two, three in the afternoon. I was busy. I don't know what I was busy, but I was busy. Maybe you got some funds out there from that company. I might have something out there. I need <laughs> to go back and do a money finder <laughs> and find out if I have some money because I might have been doing right. some shit. So they might have been using me in like the black market. I don't know, but. <clears throat> All right, so now we're going to move on to the Brown Brilliance. And this is something that actually, well, just I always like to tell our guests and then I have to, you know, announce the segment for our listeners. So, but most people. I listen to the show. Okay, so you know what the Brown Brilliance is. So, this is for the people who have not listened. If you are listening for the first time, first of all, welcome. Welcome. We welcome all and any. Um, Brown Brilliance is our uh, weekly award that we give to Brown owned businesses, either locally regionally, uh, nationally, even internationally, or anybody who is doing something amazing for the brown business, uh, the brown community of African-American folks. And this particular thing uh, happened last year, like late 2018. But in Houston, Texas, there was uh, this election in Harris County. And I, Harris County, of course, is my last name. So in Harris County... Uh, there are 19 African-American women um, who are now called the Houston 19 who were all elected this. to their bench seats as judges. And I'm really proud of them. I, for some reason, just became aware of this recently because I posted. I always find positive things that are happening in the African-American community. This popped up on social media, mm-hmm. so I shared it. And I was like, wow, I had no idea. Um, I... Some of the things I found was that this election is more reflective of like uh, the overall increase in women of color who are not just running but winning local, state, and national races. Shout out to them! And so shout out to them for sure. 
Um, and this is like, this is really good. I guess something similar happened in 2016 in Alabama um, where nine black women were elected as judges in Jefferson County, Alabama. So this is a really good. And it's also given, you know, it's very important, especially with our topic today, because it's kind of like when you have people that are on the bench and they're part of the bigger problem of being racist or unknowingly being racist or biased towards or against a group of people, when you go into their courtroom, it's kind of tough to say, um, I'm going to get a fair shot at this situation Mm -hmm. when I might not get a fair shot because they don't look like me, they don't understand me, therefore they're probably going to prosecute me based on what they think about me subconsciously, which is kind of fucked up. So I'm glad to see that the Houston 19, even the thing that happened in Alabama, that these people are getting into office and uh, on the bench and they are more representative of what you see in the real world because you see, you know... In the, the inner cities. In the too. inner cities, especially. Harris County is Houston. I yeah. do think that's the county. Yeah. Here, so. Yeah. And I think that's great. You yeah. know, not to say that they're going to be lenient on offenders, but they're going to be fair. I expect right. them to be fair. Right. Exactly. Yeah. If they fucked up, fuck them up. Yes. Right. But at the same time, be fair. Don't be fair and then take it a step further and be harsh right. for no apparent reason. People still have to face the consequences and for what they did. Yeah. To speak on it, uh, the there's this, this support, this, let me get it together, <laughs> um, disproportionate amount of people that's going in front of the judge and then people on the other side of the criminal system. So you see all the judges look a certain kind of way, but all the people coming before the judges look a certain kind of way. So... Mm-hmm. That, too, is a good point that, you know, maybe these people that's on this side, we got more, I guess, balance, a a better balance on both sides of the criminal system. Yeah, and I love that. That's a good point, Rashid. I love that because, again, you you ostracize what you don't know. And if you don't take the time to be open-minded and identify your biases, then you are going to be biased and you're going to hurt a group of people where, Mm -hmm. obviously, the criminal justice system is already... Uh, targeting minority communities that have lower economic uh, resources, etc. So, shout out to the Houston 19. Shout out. Shout out. Um, I will say that while, so just more I read on this, while county judges don't have quite as much jurisdiction in most states, uh, they have important local responsibilities, including uh, election procedures, signing off, signing off on bail amounts, injury selection, etc. So they do have some point. And then this is just a stepping stone towards their rise to the top. So uh, amazing. So yeah, shout out to them. Great for the Houston 19. We are so proud of you. And we'd love to get you guys on the show at some point, although you're way down there. We will travel to you. Corporate and Caviar is starting to gain some traction and some momentum. So we are getting to the point where we can actually travel. So we'll schedule some time with you. We'll get down there and it'll be awesome. So before we get into everything that we are going to talk about, just, I know you're going to get to it. That's fine. Fun fact that I've been going through this little legal situation that we're going to talk about, but all four of the judges that I've came before in my little, what, has it been six weeks? They all were black. Wow. It was three females and one male. Nice. Yeah. I I don't remember all their names, Mm -hmm. but we got some, I see some representation on that side. Shout out to them. Here in Detroit. Yeah, and shout out to former Judge um, uh, Vonda Evans. She's a, a friend of hey, mine, Vonda. and I love shout Vonda. <laughs> Very a brilliant, brilliant uh, jurist doctor. 
Um, she's now practicing a lot of a law firm. Forget the name, so I can't shout that out. But um, Vonda was on the bench for over 20 years, so shout out to her. African-American sister doing some great things in the community here in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vonda called me. We got to do lunch one day soon here. Um, oh, she's crazy. <laughs> she is crazy. She's a lot of fun. Vonda, you will go out and have fun. You be like, <laughs> I was like, I'll be thinking she a judge because she's so fun. Like, I mean, I expect the judge to be all stuffy and, you know, but she's like a real, a real person. I love that about her. She's real. She sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. She is a character. Well, hopefully all of these brown judges are still for brown people because just because they're brown doesn't mean they're going to be for the brown people. They yeah. can still be racist. Or that they them. still have that connection to the community. Right. Correct. Yeah. They because could some, be far removed. Yeah, know? that's true. Because sometimes people will get to a point where they're reverse racist. And I talk about it all the mm-hmm. time where there is a, a, a particular center manager who was a, pretty much a big boss, an executive in the, plant industry, in the plant environment at the company I used to work for. And he would really be hard on a lot of our people. Not saying that, again... And that's, these people were working just as hard as everybody else, but he'd be really hard and tough on them, and then everybody else he'd be cool with. It's kind of like, wow, what's, what's going on here? I've seen that. Um, I guess they have to keep their position, so they have to behave like the larger body to show that they're in that group so they can stay in that group and keep their salary and keep their position and title. But then you're hurting your own people who are beneath you, and not beneath you, but they report to you, and you make them feel like shit. Yeah, I've been in those situations as well where you kind of expected something from a person, but the person you got, they're 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 catering to something completely different mm-hmm. and that, mm-hmm. that you're not even on board with. Like you right. like you have that position, you have the opportunity, but what are you doing with it? You're just trying to I don't know, maybe sometimes they might just want all to be token. You never know. Mm-hmm. They might not want you up there where they are. They might feel intimidated. Right. They might feel threatened. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it could be a lot going on, but I've seen it, and I, I still haven't fully diagnosed. You know, that's mm-hmm. an individual basis why they act like that. But right. um, what is it called? Like, a, uh, is it called a coon? Is that what the coon is? <laughs> or, or the Uncle Tom? It's the Uncle Tom. Uncle I think Tom. it's the Uncle, the Uncle Tom. Tom syndrome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The I'm the acceptable one. I'm the one. Right. I'll go out there. The the what is it? The 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 house. The house 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 nigga. House nigga. The can house I say nigga. That? Yeah, like I, yes, you can say it. <laughs> okay. This is a podcast. You can say whatever you want. Uh, this is this is Detroit is different after dark. So okay. we're not the regular daytime cool. This is Detroit is different after dark. So we can say nigga. Well, you know I'm classy, so I don't use all that type of language. Says who? I don't know. <laughs> I've never heard nobody say that. <laughs> Says nobody. As long as that's what you think about yourself, that's all that matters. Here come your old uplifting ass. Shut <laughs> up. Of course. Thank I'm always going to uplift you, people. So I appreciate it. I let, appreciate me, let me tear this black man down for a second. No. If you don't mind, please. May I? <laughs> no. Mm-mm. Oh, I just looked up Uncle Tom just for the fun of it. So a black man considered to be excessively obedient or servile to white people. A, per- a person regarded as betraying their cultural or social allegiance. Mm. That's that's the one. I mean, that's, yeah, that's that's the one. Right. <laughs> right there. That's it. That that's it right there. Let me look up Coon because I'm just curious to see what Coon says about you know. <laughs> I'm just curious. Uh oh, it doesn't say. Oh, Urban Dictionary. Here you go. Oh gosh. You know we love our Urban Dictionary. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked on there in a while. Urban Dictionary is a mess. An insulting term used by both races. When used by whites, it translates to nigger. When used by blacks, it's 
<laughs> describing an Uncle Ruckus type of character, and Uncle Ruckus would be the Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. okay, that's what I thought. So you were right with both your definitions. <laughs> Yay <laughs> for me! <I> know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you get three points. Thank you. Yes, three points. So, let's move into the meat of the day. Um, uh, before I, well, let's say, okay, I'm not going to actually do that. So, the meat of the day today is we kind of want to discuss racial inequality in the criminal justice system in America. Um, the challenges for minorities, particularly African-Americans, are largely ignored. Why? Because most people aren't in jail in the United States, although we are a country that has a high rate of um, incarceration. Um, I found an example from a YouTube video, and it talked about in 2010 how over 1.6 people were in state and federal prisons and out of that, approximately 497 uh, per 100,000 people, which is less than 1%, were African-Americans. That doesn't sound like a lot, right? 497 people per 100,000 people, mm-hmm. that's not a lot. It's less than 1%. However, um, a lot of the things that happened to us, I will say also in the um, criminal justice system, are a result of the biased criminal justice system. Wait. Is that one point six? I want to eat them numbers. Okay. <laughs> so one point six. Are you talking about globally or are you talking about in this, America? This is United States. And you said one point six million, million people, people. Uh, were in state and federal prisons okay. in the United States. And that's approximately out of those, four hundred and ninety seven per one hundred thousand were African American, which is less than one percent no. of the total pop- prison population. This two thousand ten. No. No, no, no. Moving on. Oh, them numbers don't add up. Well, here's the, here's some more numbers for you, because this might make more sense for you this way. Um, people of color account for 37% of the U.S. population, yet they represent 67% of the prison population. That makes sense. That makes sense. So we're, so I'm, this, I'm with those numbers. Yeah, okay. right, I was right, going to say the right. other numbers. I was like... So again, those numbers are from 2010, but they're just giving you a Mm-mm. depiction of the overall population. <laughs> let's, let's dish them numbers. Uh, <laughs> That video uh, needs to be blocked and removed. Well, no. Listen to it. Y'all, 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 y'all got to hear what it's saying. All it's saying is that 1.6 million people are state and federal people early. in prison. But uh, of those 497 of those 100,000 were, which is less than 1%, were people who are African-American. But that statistic right there represents the 67% of the population in prison that's African-American. That's what makes more sense. So it's people of color account for 37% of the U.S. population, but 67% of them are in jail. So that's almost 70% of the people that are in jail. So that would be like almost 70% of all those people who are in jail in the United States are brown people. I get that. That yeah. makes sense. That's crazy. And, but I do see where the confusion is there, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy either way. <laughs> <laughs> what he said. <laughs> um, and then... Just to kind of get back to the biased criminal justice system, which we did talk about just a few minutes ago, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said this already. People who are not us, they don't understand us. And although we, we do contribute to some of our own demise because we make poor life choices, we make poor decisions. But that's not um, exclusive to any color. No, but I'm talking about our people particularly. Still not inclusive. It's not that, that's every color. Every color does, but I'm and only dealing person. with our people. I'm, I'm only concerned about our people. Okay. Because we are 
the people in America, in the United States, who have some, we are, we have some of the, we have some of the roughest conditions for us in this country. Of course. Mm-hmm. So I'm focused more so on us. We do make poor choices, but that doesn't mean that it's not driven by systemic bullshit that causes us to make poor choices. For example, if I am a person who has had a past and I have created or I've, I've committed some kind of crime, um, if I go to jail, I pay my debt to society by serving time I come out. I'm, I have barriers in front of me that keep me from being successful. I can't get financial aid for school, so I can't really go back to school. Ain't nobody going to hire me now because I have a felony, so I, I can't do that. Some housing, I'm low income, but I can't access public housing, right? So now I'm in a place where I'm like, okay, shit, I can't do nothing. I got these two, three kids out here. I can't get housing for them. I can't do this. I can't do that. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go back to doing what I know how to do. I'm going to go up to slang that stuff and make this money because that's all I can do. The system is set up. Once you fail once, you're going to be a perpetual failure. Fail. A perpetual is going to perpetually be failing. Higher, higher likelihood. A higher yeah. likelihood of recidivism. Because it's, it's not yeah. everyone. It's not. Less opportunities, uh, harder choices that you have to That's be right. forced to make, and uh, more riskier but look opportunities at, yeah. in front of you. But so. look at Martha Stewart. She committed a fucking felony. She was insider trading, right? She went to a, a resort-like prison mm-hmm. with cushions and cots and I mean with cushions and fluffy thousand or five thousand thread count sheets and shit and she got out of jail and she's fine she's rich as hell though it depends on what you do I feel like as an entrepreneur like you there can be a resurrection to it because you're creating your opportunities correct but you see it with rappers you see it with anybody that do anything artistic Mm -hmm. that for rappers, they actually get clout by going to, to jail. jail. But it's like no the record. regular person that that's doing a typical job or relying on a skill that they have, it may be harder. I mean, yeah. you might not have that resurrection as a celebrity or somebody that comes back, the, the day-to-day guy. Right, right. Those opportunities, are, like you said, you have all them barriers once you come out. That's, mm-hmm. that's preventing sucks. you. Yeah, you're right. It, it sucks because... Well, <laughs> I'll get into that in a second. Because um, we're going to get into all that. It's a lot of stuff to talk about, actually. But what happens when you have all these different biases? And you have these people who are law enforcement. You got the law. You got judges. All these people who are act- prosecutors who are all um, may not look like you, but they are presiding over your situation. Um, stuff like pro- t- pro- police brutality, for example. Um, Daniel Pantaleo. Okay. Um, Eric Garner died July 17, 2014. He still hasn't been fired. He hasn't been, you know, he, he's just got suspended. This, I mean, it was 2014. We were like, what, five, five years. years later? Mm-hmm. And he still hasn't been punished. Like, if that, I really and truly believe that if that were an African-American and the person that died was a, a, a white person, I really believe that there would have been some harsher, more quick justice as they say, oh, quote unquote, I for that, that person. Too. Absolutely. There would have been riots and, and everything. I hate to make it Kill a Kill them niggers. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and the flip side is, it's harder for us at every level, even as mm-hmm. cops. Like you just said, if they slip up against somebody that's our color, maybe it can get swept under the rug. Mm-hmm. Like you remember the Baltimore and then they found out that the killer was actually a black cop. Mm-hmm. You might get by, but... Yeah. For them, they have a, 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 a fine line against somebody that's white. Right. That they really, it's, it, it, there's mm-hmm. no second chance if they mess up or the 
how you say the severity of the issue if they if they was to kill a black a white teenager as right. a black cop. So I mean, like mm-hmm. even when we do make make it out or whatever what become something of ourselves, we still have all this stuff that we have to deal with in, in a way mm-hmm. that we have to move, and the pressure is still not fair or equal to other our counterparts that aren't black because all this pressure t- for us is just. It's, it's insane, and, and, and it's at a lot of different levels, at a lot of different careers mm-hmm. throughout the... And, it's, and it's on both sides, especially right. in law enforcement. Right. That's all right. That's that's a really good point. You can just like... Now, let's talk about it. I made something of myself, making tons of money at a company. I believe strongly, pretty confident, because myself and three other minorities were being uh, let go around the same time, that race played a part in my... my career demise Mm -hmm. and i haven't been able to find a job making the same money since however i have been able to get opportunity like you said as an entrepreneur where i can do more with myself i have more time less stress more energy put towards my entrepreneurial goals like the podcast and the nonprofit that my friend and i are working on you know different things like that Mm so for me as an educated male it might be a little easier still tough but not as difficult for like someone who for example who doesn't have a degree like you and me are going to school like you and um, who has a mind to do better and get out and be an entrepreneur because if I can't get a job here because of my family, well, I'm going to create some, I'm going to make some money for myself somehow. Mm-hmm. But you know what I'm saying? Like, and they do, but mm-hmm. usually it's, it's not illegal. illegal. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They do. They find a way. <laughs> they got to survive. They got to survive. But that's the thing. Whenever the system gets involved, for example, if I went to jail for selling drugs, now a lot of people who were selling weed particularly they had their records expunged and absolved, and they went. They, you know, the felony, um, the felony went away. I think they're in the process of doing it. I think yeah. that it's a, it's a long road. It's a long road. A lot, a lot of people went people. to jail. I don't think for, it just happened overnight. They're definitely going to make it a long road because yeah. they really don't care. They don't. But it's happening. <laughs> so, they really don't want to. Right. right. Exactly. They really want to taint your reputation Forever. with some kind of negative charge that, right. that was that was. Looking back in retrospect was really stupid. To, Absolutely, to be charging people so harshly mm-hmm. over marijuana. marijuana, which I get. If it's illegal, it's illegal. But damn, seriously. Yeah. Um, and people still get charged for it too. It but you can still get you can sell it legally now. But because if you have if you have a felony before it's wiped away, if it's just a weed charge, then the you system won't allow it. you. You can't, you can't sell, sell it legally because now you can't get the licensing to sell it or the whatever grants you that ability to sell it and open a retail location. You can't do it because you have a felony charge. So they won't grant you, mm-hmm. you know, the licensing and a right to sell this right. stuff. So now they're making it harder. You're good at it because you made a lot of money. You just got mm-hmm. caught. But now you can't do it legally and be good at it because that's a viable business now, selling marijuana. It's right. a big industry. A huge it, industry. Right Although, now. I will say that the stocks I bought in the marijuana, the cannabis industry, my stocks are doing really fucking bad right now. <laughs> I've lost some money right you now. You got to buy it in the good Well. Day. It's 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 a it's a new industry, like yeah. I said, and and it's still figuring itself out. And the stock and bond that you bought for the particular company may not be that company that's going to take off. You know how the tech right. industry, a lot of people lost a lot of money when they went into tech mm-hmm. when two thousand hit. But then that second wave, you couldn't go wrong with buying a Google or Microsoft. Absolutely. So you might right. be on the early adapter, still got some figuring out to that's do. That's why I keep buying. It. That's <laughs> why I keep buying. It. But you gonna hit somebody is gonna hit really big. Exactly. At, just like in that Jay-Z marijuana just, industry. Um, what was the company that Jay Z just invested Ty- in or partnered in or something? Not title. It's a um, was it Stevia? Not Stevia. 
Uh, I've heard about uh, it. I've heard something. It's about like this. a play on sativa, I think the words. But he just invested in some like cannabis company or something like that. So that might be the one. That's gonna be the one. It's not on the market yet because I already tried. Oh, it's oh the yeah. two that I bought. I looked it up instantly. I was like, wait a minute, let me see. But there's so much money in there. There's I've I've seen people doing drinks with it, candy you shops, You can do everything. I was, and it's actually a good herbal. Or not, or it's a good thing for like health in general. Like you have pain and things like that. Or so. you have a hard time sleeping. My yeah. mom hit her pain every night. <laughs> every Likewise. Night. <laughs> Likewise. Be, just the other day, we was like, she's sitting there like, and it's called it's called <laughs> Kaliva. Some ice cream. You need a snack, mom. Kaliva. Kaliva. The company. Kaliva. Uh, okay. Shout out to Kaliva. Yep. Jay Z. But once yep. if they if they go on the market, I will be buying some. I'm gonna keep buying my stocks uh, in cannabis companies. I believe it's gonna be a new, nice emerging market. You're gonna take a risk, but that's what investing is. And the it market will. always turns around, always comes back. So well, shit, when I was in Toronto a few weeks ago, there was a dispensary on every fucking corner. Really? Every fuck, and you could just go up in there and buy whatever you want. No car needed. Nope. Oh wow. Anybody could buy it. I was like. Shit. Shout out to Toronto. Yeah, shout Always out to a lovely Toronto. time. <laughs> oh, <that's good> time. <laughs> it was great. Uh, yeah. But did then, you go to the beach? Or oh my god, is that a what is it? The um the cabana pool bar? No, the beach, like the little island with the no, beach. Oh. I didn't even know they um, had that. It's a naked beach. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to the naked beach and shout out to Oliver in Miami. <laughs> I was there for a um bachelorette party, so it was all kind of planned out already. Uh-huh. Loosely planned out. And nothing actually happened how it was supposed to, but um, we did go to this cabana pool bar, which was kind of on the water. Sounds And then amazing. it fucking rained. It was. It was beautiful. It was. But then it rained. And I was like, great. Wow. Don't rain Go like back to the Airbnb and drink some more. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What's up next, Mr. Ramon? So, oh, I'm sorry. I Can just, I? I was just, we got off topic, so we like, wait a minute. Come on. I know y'all good. That's good. <laughs> Um, so just to get back to the conversation about like criminal justice system. So we already talked about how people of color are 37% of the U.S. population, but 67% of the prison population. And black men are nearly six times as likely to be incarcerated as white men. And federal courts imposed prison sentences on black men that were 19% longer than those imposed on similarly situated white men between 2011 and 2016. So it... So, can I tell you about my experience? Can I get Please. to why I'm here, sir? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Right, cool. that, go for it. Um, uh, I'm going to try to talk this to the legal system time. and not talk about the uh, personal side. Um, I'm just going to go through the process. Um, I found out there was, so say, per se, I had an altercation with a person. We'll call that person SpongeBob. Okay. <laughs> okay, just <laughs> for being... Uh, diplomatic. I don't really care to talk about him slash her. They're okay. just not my conversation. But we'll call her him her SpongeBob. Okay. <laughs> but uh, ambiguous. So there was um, an altercation. Okay, whatever. Um, eight months later, there was a warrant that I found out from word of the mouth. The person was bragging, basically uh, proud, I guess, that they had a warrant out for me. I'm, I'm not even sure what the charges are. We had an altercation, but. You started. I finished it. <laughs> That's how that went. Just, just so we're clear. But um, found out that there was a warrant. Okay, talked to an attorney. Turned myself into uh, uh, for the warrant. Had to get an attorney. Turned myself in the warrant. The attorney told me the right way to turn myself in so that you don't do jail. Don't go in on a Friday because you won't see a judge. The Monday you'll be there in the weekend. 
Some people don't know this. You don't have an attorney. You just turn yourself in. So as you hear the resources to get one. As soon as you hear that you have a warrant, you turn yourself in. You spend some jail time. Luckily for me, I wasn't. I didn't spend jail time because I had an attorney phone. advising me how to do it. He said, mm-hmm. "Come in Monday morning. Do this. We'll get you a rank." And at the arraignment, he asked for a personal bond because he because I did pay for because I am being represented, and um, I turned myself in voluntarily. So the bond was well seventy five hundred, and they gave it to me a personal bond. So I didn't have to pay anything for it, but you never know. Like it could be five percent, it could be five hundred. You never right. know what kind of resources people have. And he right. told me to make sure he wasn't sure if I was going to get the personal bond. Um, so he asked me that I have money. I didn't have no money. So he was like, "Who do I call?" You know, I gave him a couple of numbers to call, but um, I could have been in there for some jail time, which is really ludicrous when if we want to get into what the charges mm-hmm. are and where yeah. it came from. Um, but you know, you have to, like I said, I, I'm from the philosophy of dealing with life. If this is what life presents in front of me, I'm going to deal with it. Right. Right. So there I'm like, okay, so I'm talking to the attorney, like, when is this going to be over? Because there is no validity to most of this. I don't even understand. I didn't, I wasn't even aware that there was a charges. I wasn't aware there was a warrant. Nobody ever talked to me. So you're talking about from eight months till, till today. Right. Today. Right. Only person I talk to is my attorney. Nobody have asked me about what happened or what I have to say. And we're going to trial October 9th. So... There has no, been no point for me to say anything about, all I can say is, I'm pleading not guilty. Right. Nobody have asked me what's going on when the police did the investigation. So you just had this Nobody reached out for me. And I, no, if you would have got pulled over, you would have been right. blindsided. You would not have known mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that this warrant was just out there. Thank God for good friends that know things. Because <laughs> my friends, you were there. We were at a concert when I was informed about you know, that there was a warrant on me. I, I, I drive out of town. I drive a lot. You never mm-hmm. know. I'm crossing borders. I was supposed to take my friend to Toronto, actually, the week after. So I would have been stopped at the gate, had this right. whole situation, embarrassed and not even knowing what was going on. Right. I had no idea. So that's just a whole thing in itself that there was an investigation that went to a warrant. The investigation did not include me, but it was about me. So I guess SpongeBob... Is credible enough to make right. these allegations, and when there's an investigation, the detective is supposed to reach out to both sides, right, and figure out, okay, this is what they're saying. What are you saying? I'm doing an investigation. I'm trying to get the facts. That whole process skipped me. Then, based on what SpongeBob said, we went and the investigator issued a warrant. Eight months later, so you're talking about. Eight months is a long time. I don't have text message. I don't have anything. I don't keep that negative things around me from the mm-hmm. incident. I put that behind me. I'm moving right. on in life. I'm not harboring on what happened. It was a bad it, it was a bad situation for me. I'm embarrassed. I don't like to get in confrontation with anybody, first of all. So let's just say this. But um, I will defend myself, and I will finish it. If necessary, but, yeah. Yeah, if necessary, yes, I will do all of that. But... I'm not lingering on it. I'm not thinking about it. I'm moving on in life. I'm not thinking about you. I don't even have a problem with you. Let me. Let, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's ridiculous. But for eight months later, how am I building a case when I don't know that there is a case for me to build right. about eight months later? Because truth be told, there was video. 
If I if I knew that there was going on, I would have got the video. You have two months window to get the video. If I knew all these things was going on, I would have got some evidence. Two I would have been better prepared to defend myself. Two months myself. from the incident, you have to get evidence. In? Well, the person, the lot where the incident occurred. Oh yeah. I, I talked see. to the people that own the and lot. They keep months, it for it two kinda, months. Right. After two months, like yeah, it's not there. But I'm like. It, it's just so far, and I, I deleted the text. I done lost my phone. I deleted the text. I'm not keeping no negativity. Right. I talked to a detective, and what he told me was, and I still talk to him. You know, I go see him and just uh, checking in with him because I didn't understand the process. So I actually talked to him like two weeks ago, and he said, when I seen him, he said, "This is stupid. No, there, there's no validity to this. There's nothing going on here. I only checked." Because SpongeBob posted a story about me on social media and spread it around and did all this other stuff, and it went to my grandma. So not your grandma. Yeah. Well, I got a call. I was starting to get all these calls from unfamiliar numbers. It was Mm -hmm. family members, and my grandma's number is familiar to me. So I answered my grandma's number, and my grandma said, "Oh, we heard that you're in jail for robbing somebody." Um, attacking and robbing somebody because that's what Spongebob posted on the internet. So my grandma is concerned and I'm like, no, don't don't you worry about this. Um, and I, I, I asked, I'm not on Facebook. Why are you putting it? And Spongebob, you have my number. So I, I, can I read the post? Uh, if you'd like to be. I want to read the post. I want to give is, y'all the, the whole it. thing. This is your situation, uh, okay. right? You know, I... I cost you to be careful because you do have a. This is an ongoing thing, so I do cost you to be careful. Well, I don't. I don't. I, it, it, <laughs> well, oh, I don't personally have. I didn't even have the Facebook post. I screenshot. My friend screenshotted from me. I deleted it. Mm-hmm. But eight months later, I'm asking all my friends, "Hey, do you got that post that you had sent me about what was posted about me?" And one of my friends was like, "Yeah, it's on my backup. I can send it to you. I didn't delete it. I deleted it from my." Google Drive, I mean, mm-hmm. my photo backup. I don't want to see that negative. I don't even right. care about it. I'm not that type of person. And at but that point, there, what was the point? You didn't know anything was happening. so I was supposed to be long gone and moved. But anyways, <laughs> and, and it's fortunate that I'm here to deal with it because if I was out of state or something else and this is coming, sitting here, and I'm coming back and forth, I would be more upset. Right, absolutely. But here's the thing. SpongeBob posted. <laughs> and this is, I think this is like September the 12th. He put 2018. if you 2018. Okay. If you see this individual, he is the person that attacked and robbed me. I just want his information so due process can be served. First name Rashid, last initial B. Last seen wearing the outfit in the picture you see here. So below is a picture of me from the night before. This is why I don't like my picture on other people's social yeah. media. If with some young ladies that we met out. At a bar that I don't even know, but I took a picture with him. I guess he went on their social media, cropped my picture out, and put this on this post with my picture. Okay, just so y'all know what what I sent a picture. This is why when this episode does post and air, you will only see his hand. (laughs) I don't like like a face like that. Last scene wearing the outfit you see here. He's seen, he drives an F-154 pickup truck, 2017 or 2018, color black. He is approximately six foot two inches. Car was last seen hitting west on Grand Boulevard in Woodward. 
This is what SpongeBob posted. As y'all want to, I'm passing that around so wow. they can see it. So he put like a bolo out for me, like I was this criminal on the run. Right. But you have my contact right. information. Right. So it, it it was one of those things that messy queens do to be messy. Um, and I'm not thinking about you. Never. I, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed that I even had a situation with you. I'm embarrassed that it even happened that way. I don't want to per- perpetuate the problem. Right. But, okay. So it happens, right? My grandma calls me and says, oh, I heard you was in jail. I'm just trying to figure out why would you rob somebody and what is going on? It just don't make no sense. She was like, well, you should go talk to the police because just talk to them and make sure that there's nothing out there. So I went to go talk to this detective. I showed them this. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, can you check and see if there's anything that I need to be worried about so that I can deal with it? He said, well, this is stupid. He said, whoever that person is, is I was like, is it... Do I have a case for defamation? Because it's nothing true in there. Like, it's nothing true about it. Right. Okay. That's that. So he's like, no, this is stupid. Don't worry. People say negative things about you on social media all the time. What do you do? He was like, there's really no... He's like, unless it's caused serious... What they post caused serious harm to you, and you can equate it to how it's harming you uh, financially, emotionally, or whatever, and you really have to prove that that happened... There's nothing that you can really do. Just let people do that. And I was like, well, you know what? I really, I'm mad, but SpongeBob, bye. You right. post what you want to on the internet. Go ahead if that's how you so choose you to deal with things. Again. Yeah, so I talked to the detective. I'm, I'm over it. Like, you know, so moving on. Um, come to find out it's not armed robbery, even though she, SpongeBob said that I robbed him. Now the charges, once I, eight months later, once a friend, our friend in common, notified me that he was saying there was warrants about me. I, fi- I figured out what the warrants was. It was supposed to be domestic violence and larceny. So this person saying that, that don't know anything, that's asking for my information on the Internet, is saying that they were in a domestic relationship for, with me. Oh, and as I talked to, I know, Ramon, I'm running, but I'm about to wrap this up. Um, so as I talk to people about what's going on, I say, hey, um, well, we know that that's not the truth. But um, somebody said, he said, SpongeBob said domestic violence because the state takes them more seriously and they don't let the victims drop it as hard and they have to pick up the case if you say domestic violence instead of anything else. Because if they were saying that was an assault, they would say, well, two people getting in a fight, where's the, where's the issue? After a bu- right. But domestic violence charge are taken a different seriously yeah. that they don't let the victims drop the case. They have to see the case and go through the process. Right. So that's why that story was made up. And then the larceny, that's just absurd. Well, the larceny, I'm like, well, what did I rob you for? What is going on? I, I, so SpongeBob sent me some stuff saying a text message with a paragraph. Anybody that sent me a text message with more than a sentence, I'm not reading it. <laughs> Unless there is a purpose to it. If you're sending me a text message, just so y'all know out there, any of my friends, <laughs> and it got more than three sentences in there, I don't read past the first sentence. If I can't get the matter, so I'm not about to read it from somebody I don't even mess with. I just tell him, don't text me. We have nothing to talk about. So that's the case. So okay. there we go. Okay. Leave it there. Okay. Thank you for sharing. Thank right. you for being Thank open. You. So 
with this, I guess, what what did you learn about the criminal justice system? How, I mean, has it has it been fair to you? No, not at all. Like, it's just, so I'm like, okay, at what point am I this discredited thug that's going around robbing and, Beat bitches. and beating yeah, people <laughs> and stealing stuff and this hardcore criminal? And it's like, they just assume that, okay, just throw a felony charge on somebody's record and domestic violence. And when me, the fuck were they going to let, let me you say, know? Yeah, that part. But let me just say, those are serious charges. Uh, the larceny is a felony. And domestic violence, there is really people out here dealing with serious problems. Yeah, right. So for SpongeBob to make light of it or to try to use them to uh, perpetuate his agenda mm-hmm. is sad because... Ain't no domestic to us <laughs> at right. all. Ain't even none, none of that. Never have been, never have been. But to just say that when there are so many people going through serious, and then the city is using all these resources towards me over some bull crap that, right. that is so ludicrous that it's like, but it's, it seemed like, like you said, it's, it's black man. Let him throw him to the ringer. Let's see how he mm-hmm. end up on here, and we'll see how the chips fall. Just throw these charges on this black man. Not, 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 not considering how it would affect his life or anything like that. Not to say, SpongeBob, you ain't affecting me if you're listening. I, I really don't care about you. Get some dust. You get dust. Get some dust. Get, get dust. some dust and use it. <laughs> but anyway, but uh, it's just t- seriously in my life. Just having a felony charge on you is seriously that you have to defend yourself on a felony charge and domestic violence. I, for work, when I work, I carry a weapon on me. So that could affect my job. But like I said, I can deal with all this and then some. But it's just that now I really have to get these charges done because you can't carry a job my job and you have a domestic charge you're not carrying a weapon you have a felony they're not giving you a weapon so it's a lot of things that and i'm like damn they just they just throw this charge on me like i'm i'm talking to my attorney i'm like well how did this happen he was like well there's supposed to be an investigation but that didn't happen well there was an investigation but the investigator didn't reach out for they were supposed to send something to your house that never happened so then why is this why are we here why am I here and how do I get out of it he said right. well now you're in the system so you can either take a lesser charge or Fight. you're going to have to get you're going to have to sign me up as your attorney and go through this system and which is leading us straight to trial and before I ever got to say anything before any evidence was the only evidence that was brought to me was Spongebob testimony that he said that we were dating, Ramon, you know. <laughs> so just, you know, like, oh, that was cute. Like, okay, we're dating. All right, SpongeBob. <laughs> so uh, we were dating in a dating relationship, and he put something in my possession. And he, I, it was first that he robbed me, but then when he got on the stage, I'm like, I'm telling my attorney, I don't know what. Spongebob talking about but let's see so my attorney was like oh it'll get dropped if the victim don't show up but if the victim shows up then you're going to have to probably go all the way to trial and I said of course she's going to show up because she's bragging that she got a warrant issue like this is really cute for her to have Mm -hmm. a black man charges on a black man for a fight that you started that you initiated and some stuff that you caused getting your real white woman on 
where now you're the victim. You you see them ever see them videos where the white woman be following the black man, the one where she, do you live here? Where do you live? Where, and then he mm-hmm. get mad, and then I'm about to call the police because you mad because I'm harassing right, you. Right. That part. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, that's it. So anyway, uh, she she came up. She did a whole testimony. She said that um, I have stuff of hers. Which I don't. I don't even know what the girl talking about. But anyway, SpongeBob. But anyway, so that I have stuff of hers and that um, I attacked them and we were in a relationship and they were the victim. So that that was enough for them to issue the charges, to make the long story short. I just want to... Like, First of all, that wasn't a short story. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we got all the information we needed. It's there fine. we go. It's fine. I, I just have to be my normal asshole self. I can't help myself. Of course. I wouldn't expect We wouldn't expect any less. Yes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what was your why question, sugar James? I just want to know, like, why? Why the fuck did they, like, if they didn't um, take the proper steps, like, why the fuck are you even there? If they didn't reach out to you, they didn't notify you of anything, like, how can they even still be like, okay, we're moving forward to trial? Like, that's the most frustrating thing to me because I'm still trying to understand how, how and why. How is it so easy to throw felony charges on me? Is it because my name is Rashid? Is it because this person told you that, oh, this thug named Rashid did this to me? And okay. Rashid does sound like a thug. Name. Yeah, but I'm just saying. <laughs> no. <laughs> but do you say, okay, you're right. Go throw some charges on Ramon. If I say I was here with Ramon, and I left something here, and then I come back and say, "Oh, Ramon, you're responsible," because that's, that's this is this is the story that she's saying. That okay, I left my, this Rubik's cube here it was diamond studded Rubik's cube, and I say, "Oh, Ramon, I left that there, and where is it, Ramon?" And you're like, "I never seen it," but oh, I'm going to go to the police and tell them that Ramon owed me for my diamond studded million dollar Rubik's cube that I. Came to Ramon's place and I left. Not now, SpongeBob wasn't at my house. We talking about my car. <laughs> she asked me for a ride. Yeah, just like a, never okay. been, never been to my house. Anyway, just so we saying. So uh, let's let's be clear. But um, yeah, so that's that's the whole situation. But like you said, I'm like, I'm only upset because I'm like, how did I get caught in this system? Of, right. of this this four month process of legal. Fees going to attorney. I have to check it in. Costs money. I, that part. That 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 costs money, which a lot of people in our community have. do not have to. When I go to court, like I said I, I, before, we got on on the mic, we talked, and I said I, I talked to people there, and they like, oh well, I was in jail for two weeks waiting for bond, waiting for somebody to pay my five hundred dollars. I was here this and that, so they like I lost my job. I lost what I had going on. You know, it's hard for me to find another job. My car about to get repossessed. Like, I have, like, really nowhere to live because of charges that's going on. I don't know their story. I don't know if they're guilty, not guilty. I can only speak for mine. And I was fortunate enough to have the resources to handle it. But if I didn't, and somebody just throwing accusation on black men like this, and now this black man loses his job. This black man family is trying to hustle up money Mm -hmm. to get them bonded. This black man can't pay his car note now mm-hmm. he's now after and this is before he ever been convicted of anything this is just right. the first time he go to jail until he's able to get bonded not before the court service he's going to be right. doing this for a whole 
six months. It's kind of like a six-month process. Right. You're losing your resources. You can't do it. And then you got to go to court. And then I, gotta, I have to call in because I'm on bond every Wednesday and report. If I don't, I'll be in jail till the trial. Just so you know. And then I have no contact with this person, which I don't want no contact with. I ain't think about you think about me. <laughs> I ain't think about you. But it's like, how did the whole victim become? I'm not even talking about me. I'm, let's talk about the black man in general and how this situation affects people. Because I'm listening to these people and I'm like, well, damn, that's crazy. So now you can't drive. You don't got no car. It's, now you got to find a whole new job. You lost your job. You know, you're having problems with your family. They chipped in to help you, so you might lose the roof over your head mm-hmm. if the person that you with ain't kicked you out because you ain't bringing no money to the table. So you got all kind of levels of just... Your life gets mess. fucked up from... Elements that's just... And that's... that's making true. you more angry, more frustrated, more... more you know, it, it, you work it makes so hard you to keep... A lot of people are living check to check, hand to mouth. It's like, yes, I can't right. afford... To, and I, I, I used to live like this myself, and I'm so fortunate that I don't. We've anymore. all had our phases. We've all had our phases. Yes. And it, but it, you see it is more prevalent in the African-American community than a lot of others. Not, it's not only the African-American community. Um, there are some white folks that live like this, too. But I'm speaking about my people particularly. But, you know, it is a very tragic day when I have to live hand to mouth, check to check. And something so simple, if I go and say... Um, you know, uh, James uh, kicked me in my shin, and then they put him. They put charges up on him, and I get it. They have to test the. They have to test the. Uh, in court, they might have to go through a process to test the conviction Before it or gets test the there, accusation. But it they should could, be an investigation. It should be an investigation, investigation that includes the individual being. You know, because a person the brings accusation, right. they are the ones the who accusing. absolutely have right. the burden of proof. I'm assuming. And I'm not a lawyer. I don't know how this shit works particularly. Like you, you're learning a lot more about it than I, I have know. A, I have a lawyer. And I still don't understand how we got to that point. I know what the lawyer is saying. My job is to defend the charges. My my job is not to, he's saying his job is not to know how we got here. His job is to resolve the issue that I'm in, well, the situation that I'm in. I still want to know why the fuck I'm here. And I still haven't seen the uh, investigation. I haven't mm-hmm. seen the, what's the name? I haven't been reached out to anybody. So, I mean... It's disappointing. It's disheartening that this could yes. happen to any of us at any point. And it's right. eye-opening for me. Like I'm like, I don't bother nobody. I don't have no criminal record. Mm-hmm. I, am, uh, I am a veteran. I serve my country. I stay out of trouble. I try my best. Now, I can handle some situations, but that's if they come. Right. I'm ready to handle them, but I'm not out here trying to harm nobody. I'm not trying to take from nobody. I'm not trying to do any of that. So for it, was so easy, for it to be so easy for Somebody to throw this on me. I just, I kind of, it was just um, humbling, not about the charges. It's just that, damn, I am still black and I am an American and it's just this easy for somebody to attach a felony that's going to be on my record forever. Because then they told me to, to get it expunged. I'm like, well, can I get it expunged once it's dismissed? Because, like I said, there's no validity so to the story. So even if you're proven to be innocent, they still put on your record? It's on your record. It's a record mm. that you've been charged mm. with it, that you have a record of maybe domesticated violence. Somebody, so but if it'll it happens also show again, that you were not convicted of it. Yeah, but it's still, but it still on your record. It's still there. So when you look for employment, it's going to say that, that you was there know. and it was dismissed. I'm out there just looking for convicted No, felonies. No, they'll actually have you been charged and then they'll actually have you been convicted. 
Have you been charged with this? Have you been convicted? There's the two questions they ask you. Have you been a, char- a charge with a felony? Have you been convicted? And then also, let's talk about housing. You know you have to do a background check. So say that you Absolutely. do you do fall out of your situation or you you know you lost your job, you don't have nowhere to live. Mm-hmm. During that six months, you can't do no applications to no housing or anything because they're doing the background and they see that you got a felony and that domestic aid charging charge. out there. So right. it's hard for you to live on your own and be that black man or that guy that you wanna be and redeem yourself. It's a long process to recovery. Just, just so people know that this is not, it's not, it's not easy, and especially if it's not easy for me. And I'm alright. I, I, I keep it cool, but I'm just saying it's, 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 it's not easy. I, I'm talking to people and I'm there with them and I'm going through it myself. And I'm right, just telling right. you that it's, a, it's layers to this, and I'm trapped. I'm caught up in this, and I'm like, oh wow, this is real. And I'm like, dang. And I, and I've always thought, oh well, you know. It's, it's super ignorant, but, you know, if you do dumb stuff, then that's what you get. But I never knew that you can be accused of something, and it was so easy for it to stick. To stick. And I'm like, oh, so I can just go and say, Ramon slapped me, and he was my, my love of my life, and, <laughs> and this and that. And, and Ramon got to defend himself for six months and get an attorney and try to stay out of jail and get warrants. And, and it's going to be on his record for right. life unless he pay a judge, I think, after a certain amount, of, a certain period. You can pay somebody, an uh, t- attorney, to try to get it expunged from your record, but then you're going to have to pay, and that's a couple of thousand dollars. I don't know. I have, I'm not at that point yet, but I'm like, oh, really? That, that, this is real cute, Detroit. Because so, so, <laughs> if you can't, the thing is, if you put a person who already doesn't have, it's not economically empowered already, you know, does not have economic resources, you put these charges on them that does cost money to get yourself back out of, they can't pay. Now, okay, we got you trapped up. Now you're going to jail because you can't pay this money. So then it works adversely for the people. It's supposed to be uh, for public safety. If I'm literally an innocent person, if I'm guilty or innocent, you get treated the same way until proven guilty. It should be that way, but it's not. What you said. Absolutely. I have to prove myself to be innocent. Not that that he had to prove anything because he didn't prove anything. There was just allegations out there. The only... Thing that they're charging me because a witness came up and they're using that witness as their evidence that this is his word. And I said, so damn, what is my word? Shit, like, right. nobody cares. Nobody. I have, a, I have no voice in this period until I go to trial. Six months later. And what, after where being did this witness warrant, come from? Could this witness be a personal no, the, friend? No, the witness oh. was the, the witness. Let me get to sorry. The witness that they have. It's SpongeBob testimony of what he said happened is their witness to charge me with it. It's the allegations. No, it's the allegations. The person that made the allegations is the witness. That's the only witness. (laughs) That's 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 making them put the charges against me. Does that make sense? Doesn't make sense. So if make it make sense. It don't make sense. None of it makes sense. I see if I'm the person presenting the, the, the allegation, then I need to have you know, and say, going back to the example I had, so I'd say, James kicked me in my shin. Now I need, that's me accusing. So now I got to present burden of proof. So now I got to say, okay, Rashid, you were right here. You saw James kick me. So you have to go to the police and say that you saw him kick me. That's but, how it works in TV. Right. Okay. In reality, I just learned a lesson. The shit is not the same. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I'm, wow. I'm, because I'm thinking like you, like, um, like, there's well, two on, sides. I got a few to people that was out. with me too. Let me bring them up here. They can t- and 
Well, I, I have to prove that I didn't do it. I right. I have but how witnesses. How do you prove that? I have witnesses there. Okay. That was there. I That's have good. I have I have witnesses. That I have witnesses. That, oh, if I would have known this, um, I could have got you the camera footage. People right. told me I could have got you the camera footage, and you would have been good. But it came eight months later. Right. Where I'm not thinking about this. So I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm not up here going to the police, first of all. I'm not trying to build a case. But I would think that if you were building a case, you would have all these things the together. The police would be coming right? to you anyway to say, hey. But this person, SpongeBob, was doing all this behind closed doors. But if there's, if there's a crime, get your evidence. But there is no evidence. It's only SpongeBob talking. But get some evidence. Like, right. if, I was, if I was to do something, like you said, James Ramon, James Kick Ramon. I'd be like, oh, let me go get the recording from when we was in the session, mm-hmm. and then y'all hear that when right. Ramon said, "Out." Ten minutes. That was the kick. <laughs> that's when he did it. Yeah, that was it. Right but there. The chair move a little bit. There like. is none of that. The only evidence that they're having is saying that this person said it, and we're using this person's testimony. My, my, my. What is this? My domestic partner. Mm. <laughs> Alleged. Domestic partner. Allegedly. Oh yeah, I'm tra- definitely a legend. We don't want the users to say he said that you said that was your domestic partner. He's meaning to say alleged. Well, that was sarcasm. I hope right. <laughs> we want to make that clear. <laughs> yes, we want to make that it. clear. Oh yeah, but do you know that's to the listeners. only thing, and 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 there's nothing even to that, which you know we know this, but um, so th- that's it. So what's 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 the other question? Let's move on. Let's <laughs> well listen. There you we go. Get, you got we'll, it all. We'll oh, we'll get back. To that and that, and again, thank you for being open to share. I think that oh, you, know. you, you make it a very good point to say that how can this be the way? I think that the criminal justice system, is, it's flawed, it's antiquated, it's archaic, it needs to be reformed. And honestly, thinking about it and segueing back into the conversation, because your, your story is a great segue back to say, since it is an archaic and, and, and antiquated system, uh, it doesn't work. A lot of people do end up going to jail. A lot of people do commit crimes, go to jail, get back out. They can't get, especially if they're charged, they can't get housing, they can't get work, they can't get financial aid, they can't get mm-hmm. things and resources that they need to be viable in society. So, or if I am a person who was doing my check-to-check living, I'm a clean person, have never had an issue, but somebody brings a charge up on me that does not make sense to me, and there's no real founded evidence uh, or no foundation for it to stand on, and I'm living check to check. Now you done fucked up my whole Nowhere situation. Nowhere to live. You, you done fucked up my whole situation. Is? I done lost my home, and I can't provide for my family. I can't get a job. I can't even go back to school to better myself because even if I go to school, uh, I can't afford it because there's no financial aid. I can't, you know, get a job, so I got all this debt. Now, whatever the case is, it's not a good situation. And even if you have something going on, say, like, say for me, I'm just, I'm about to just give you all my tea. I was supposed to be moving. I cannot move to this over. So I have to handle this. And you know what? The, what uh, not trying to talk shit about my attorney because that's not what I'm trying to do. But he's telling me the reality of it. He's saying, well, if you got stuff to do, then you need to plead to something. Because or else you got like a six-month process that you're going to be in and out and that you got to play by the rules for about oh, six months. he told you to just 
please. If you really, if you want to get on to what you got to do, if you, you can plead to a lesser. See if they'll take a le- just plead these charges down. So instead so of taking domestic, just say that you said assault. Instead of taking a larceny, just say that you'll take a whatever the mm-hmm. lesser charge, the misdemeanor charge. Cause you ain't put do these, shit. Put these two misdemeanors on your on your record so you can get the fuck off. It'll be over quick. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but. That's that's the option if you want to over just just plead to something. So usually they get you that way too, where they mm. saying if you got something to go or if you're trying to get a job or if you don't want to be held up, take these lesser charges, less serious charges. Just take a, let us throw a couple of misdemeanors on your record, mm-hmm. and, and and you'll be happy with that if you really want to go and get to wherever you need mm-hmm. to go. And this is a, an attorney that you paying at the. I wait. Well, no, he's saying that's the reality well, that of it. He reality. said, if you need to get it over, he said, either you got to let the process go. And yes, I am paying him, and he's really good. But he said, if you you got to let the process go, if you need to get it over with, you Just can take some less misdemeanors to get it. I want nothing. That part. But he's telling me that's the reality, and I'm paying him. So what if, you know, you got a public defender that's overwhelmed that's just saying, hey, Take this or take or or, you, or be in, right. or sit in jail because right. some of them people are still sitting in jail. Right. And if I have a court. violation, I am going to be sitting in jail till October 9th. At any point, I can be in jail. If any anything happened to me, out. yes, too much I will be in jail till October 7th or the 9th. Anything happened, mm-hmm. I'm in jail for it. So if y'all want to go out here and crazy and try to put me in jail. I'm watching, but I'm over. I'm over best behavior. You but stay there. Y'all oh. acting a fool. But you, you are. You know, I can attest to the fact that you are not a, a toxic person. The worst thing you ever did to me is tell me that I'm a friend of a friend and not your friend. That's the worst thing you ever did to me. If Those he's telling it how that, it is, though. that was a fact. <laughs> but but we're becoming friends. I like you, Ramon. I, I like, like you too. And I, I'm sorry you have to go through this. You mm. know, um, but it's part of, unfortunately, life. But you you learn. Yeah, and exactly. that's a good thing that you're learning. Um, but to get back to the conversation in the way of when people go to jail, it doesn't necessarily cure the issue. It well, I would be in jail be, before I even had an issue. Right. I would be in jail till I get a trial to see if there was an issue. I would be in jail not being productive, not doing anything until until the trial. Yeah, until the trial comes to see. Yeah, until the trial comes to see if I actually did it. I would spend that time in jail. So that's just like a big section of somebody year where they losing kind of everything that they have going on. Right, and that's just a slip up. That that could be anything. That could be anything that could trigger them to put you in jail. Or you can by if I don't call and report. Um, and every week I'm going to jail until my trial because I'm on a personal bond that's in violation of my bond I still have to keep in touch with somebody so you just got to call every you say every I'm week. okay I, I'm, I'm it's kind of like when I, was on, when I was on Marvin I had to call Marvin every week to get my little unemployment check my little, my little unemployment check I had to call Marvin every week that part <laughs> it's kind of similar been there done that but it's, it, the consequences is more severe you won't get it I'm going to be in jail for two right like I'm for like and months. I'm like you know, I, I thought I was on personal bond. I'm cool. Then I get something in the mail saying, you got to call in with this person every week to make sure that you're not fleeing. I'm going to a wedding next month. I had to get permission from the court to go to a wedding. I can't leave out of Michigan without permission. So I have to do all this. And I travel. I, I get I get around. Shout out to Tupac. But I get around. But, but um, yeah, so it's just a whole experience. So it helps me to be like, 
uh, empathetic to what people going on and kind of knowing that everybody in the criminal system is not criminals. Not actually criminals. Some right. people are just in jail mm-hmm. waiting to be proven innocent. But right. how tragic is it that you're in that situation? Right. It's just, it's, it's truly tragic. Right. I'm, 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 I still, it don't make sense to me, but mm-hmm. we're going to ride it out and I'm on lesson learned. And this is another black boy lesson that I learned. And I hope, people don't have to right. learn it themselves that you don't have to be guilty of a crime you can be charged with a crime and you got to take it serious you cannot play right. with this and that's what I'm learning that sure. I have to do this right and luckily I have some resources to do it right and to see it through the proper way but you don't even have to do a crime you can just be charged with a crime and you are already the, the criminal mm-hmm. you you the criminal black boy until you prove that you're not a criminal black boy right. just that's that's the reality sad that does suck. So let's shift gears a little bit. Um, to, um, so when people are actually criminals, which you are not, and I don't believe that you are, but when people are actually criminals, um, like we said, sometimes going to jail doesn't necessarily solve the issue or the issue at hand. A lot of times crime happens because of need. Mm-hmm. It's because I'm in my community... I don't have resources to go to school. I don't have resources to do these different things. And so now I have to survive. So that part. a lot of people, honestly, well, first of all, let me just put it out there, out there like this. Um, prisons, now you know they got a lot of private prisons coming up. They try to put a private, privately owned prison in Detroit, but I think that got blocked. Um, but private prisons, think of, here the, here's the thing. So slavery is outlawed, but when you go to jail, now it's a form of legal slavery. Because once you Mm -hmm. go to jail, you are legally a slave. And then people, businessmen, who are making millions and billions of dollars, now they can use you, which is 67% of African Americans in the American prison system, state and federal, they can now use you for their own personal corporate gain. Because that's cheap prison labor. They don't have to pay you because you are enslaved in the system. So now they can actually... Make you do work, make you produce, make you manufacture, make you do a lot of stuff while in jail for really close to nothing. And that's why pri- that's part of why private prisons are so lucrative. And a lot of people want to actually invest in private prisons. And actually, I need to say, I need to go on and say, make a correction. We talked about, uh, who was it? Was it Maria Renee who talked about Michael Jordan in the prison, invest in the yes. prison? I want to make sure that we retract that it's not our Michael Jordan who played basketball. There is a white dude from like Idaho or Oregon somewhere who also is named Michael Jordan. And that's the Michael Jordan who's actually investing in prisons. Um, while I was doing the research for this show, I came across that information and that topic. So I want to make sure that as Cornbread and Caviar, we retract that statement is not our Michael Jordan that has the shoes and played in the NBA. Um, it is a white dude named Michael Jordan who lives out west somewhere who actually is investing in prisons, but it's not our Michael Jordan. Our Michael Jordan does not believe in that. So um, shout out to you, Michael Jordan, our Michael Jordan. We apologize. I'm retracting that statement officially. And our Michael Jordan actually, by Ooh. the way, is worth $1.9 million, billion dollars now. Because mm-hmm, y'all love buying them shoes. Yeah, I, I do. I do. <laughs> I agree. I do. Y'all love them shoes. They come out with a different color every and I'm year. So ha- well, every Saturday. <laughs> he I has think. some nice Every ones. Saturday, they come out with some a new very one. nice ones. And I, because yes. I, I was really like frustrated, and I was actually intending 
to research that after Maria Renee said it, but then I didn't, I forgot about it. But then I was like looking at my Jordans. I'm like, I don't want to wear those because he's he invests in private prisons. But then when I was researching the show, I learned that there was that rumor out there. But our Michael Jordan did not invest in any private prisons. So I want to put that out there. But back to the actual conversations that um, a lot of times it's a need based thing that makes people get involved in crime. So mm-hmm. um, I can't say that um, a lot of times some people are doing it. Just, they're they're just they're just. I don't know, wayward, but some people literally have, in African-American society, there are like several social issues that are criminalized. For example, um, homelessness and, and unemployment. So a homeless person might go into a, in the mid-dead, mid-of-winter, they might go into a restaurant to get warm or beg for food because they're hungry and they're starving or they're freezing, and then the police call, they, the police are called. Now they got that whole situation where they're going into the system, like you talked about, Rashid. Now they got you know, paper on them. Now they got a record and mm-hmm. now they're stuck in this system. So when they may get to the point of, oh, okay, now I can get me some housing. I can't get it because now I got a charge because I went into a place and I was, I was loitering. trying to survive. Trying to survive. But then also, if I'm homeless, nine times out of 10, if I'm homeless like that, there's got to be some kind of mental health issue because I don't know anybody in their right mind per se who's homeless. Who is really homeless that's in their right mind? If you think about it, 60 to 70% of people in prison suffer with some kind of mental illness. So instead of, instead of solving that problem in society, let's shove them into jail and get that free labor or cheap labor and let's just, you know, just shove them into jail. Or people, for example, who uh, a black man that can't find a job, well, he, he's trying to survive. Put him in jail. Drug addictions. That's another issue. Let's not solve it the right way. Let's just put him in jail. Well, what you're saying is so true, but not even the homeless people, because I know a lot of people that's been in and out of prison. And I don't know if you really touched on it about, you know, we talked about the external pressures that make it so hard for them. But it's a cycle because Mm -hmm. you get frustrated when you're trying to progress and the opportunities are not there for you. They're just, or they're limited. And then when there are programs, they're very strict and they treat you like a kid or like, 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 like you ain't got no sense. So mm-hmm. it's like a lot of programs that will talk to you like you have to be so strict, this, this, this. They want you to be ideally perfect, you know, and you've been struggling. Mm-hmm. And it's a system like you can't like you, the cycle is was was what I have a problem with. I don't know mm-hmm. uh, how much you researched, like how many people go back and how 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 often. Rates. Yeah, uh, and it's the brown people that always end up back in there. Yeah, it's a mm-hmm. cycle. It's 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 a cycle, and it's mm-hmm. and it's so sad that mm-hmm. I don't think I have recidivism rates right now, but we can look that up in a second. But not even homeless people. That's just a reality of anybody that's mm-hmm. been in prison or been jail. Well, actually. Rashid, I see. I found some recidivism right now because I'm trying to do it so quickly. What is recidivism? <laughs> recidivism, right? Or the repeat offender? That's basically the the what people. Those are the people who go back and commit crime again. Um, and so the recidivism rate, and I'm just giving a general number, but it says five and six, and this does. This is everybody, not just African Americans, and we can just assume that 67 percent of these people are African American. But five in six, which is 83% of state prisoners were, who were released in 2005 across 30 states were arrested at least once during the nine-year follow-up, following the nine years following their release. Um, so basically, 
I think that's pretty high, five and six. That's 83% of people. 67% of that, 83% will be, in my opinion, African-Americans. I'm going to make that assumption um, unsafely, but I'll make it anyway. That means that those people went back and committed crimes again. Um, and then here, we talk about this a lot too. Once an individual pays their debt to society, they go to jail, they do what they got to do, they say, okay, I did my debt to society. There are 47,000, 47,000 laws and regulations um, that restrict critical rights and opportunities. Again, we talked about, we talk about it again, the housing, the job, the schooling, things like that. People are denied jobs, access to education, housing. Um, there's, these do nothing but increase incentivism rate. They, they will repeat offend if they can't get the basic things they need to live. Do you know about voting? I think they just changed that, right? Obama changed it that before I thought that felons couldn't vote after is that being convicted is that of different? a felon. But I think Obama said after you do your time, you just can't vote while you're incarcerated after. Because uh, there be was a time when if you had a felony, you couldn't vote after. But now I think Obama changed it where after you had the felony, you can vote. As long as you, after you did your time and right. was released. Which they should be able again. to, if I'm still a citizen. But that was one of the rights that, one of those rights that was took so, away. So, you know really what, I, I thought, now, <laughs> I thought, I didn't know that. So, thanks for, for exposing that because I was still under the impression that when you are a felon, you are no longer able to vote, no matter how long. But I'm reading here right now at um, nonprofitvote.org. It says that individuals in prison for a felony conviction are ineligible to vote. But voting rights are automatically restored upon release from prison. People on parole or probation can vote. So I'm glad you said that. Obama did that. Thank Shout you. Out to Shout out to my president. My we haven't day. had a president since. Um, I my mean, I cousin. literally cried when they walked off the stage. But yes. My mentor you, in my mind. Okay. My mentor, my best friend. Uh, he's my, <laughs> I'm his illegitimate child. <laughs> but you can vote. And I didn't know that. So that's really, really good. Because my thing is, in the back, and things are slowly changing, but I don't know why things are so slow to change with an archaic, antiquated system. You see us fucked up, sit down with Congress and, you know, all the branches of government, whatever, sit down, figure out a new system, and then implement. It's just that fucking simple. And honestly, you know, if you, well, if I'm a, if I, if I commit a it's crime. it's not that simple. But. It is, but you. people make, if you're not a benefit, if you are a, person is benefiting from the fucked up system and is not disadvantaging you then it's okay you don't mind that part that's the part you don't give a fuck that's the problem i'm exactly. i'm a white privileged man i don't have to worry about the system because it's not it's i'm a black man me. removed from them problems removed I, from the problems i went to harvard until i get reminded <laughs> and now <laughs> for president obama mm-hmm. he he kept true to himself he was very much about helping his people and i like the fact that he was like a hybrid of us and them so it was kind of cool uh, well, not even then, because I forgot what his mom was. But I love the fact that he never lost track of who he was as an individual. Where she was from, Kenya. One of his parents is from Kenya. His dad, his father, his okay. dad, and his mom was from. His mom was white. Yeah, but I think she here. was American. She was American something. I forget what it was. Yeah, so where but she was from. Hawaii is a great American place to grow white. up. American white. American <laughs> I think I'm you have. <laughs> I just did a paper on it too oh, wow. back like last semester, and I forgot. You know. I, I'm I'm sitting up here typing in, looking up all this stuff. You got a whole device in front. Of you. you need to go be looking too. Listen, huh? I'm your boss. You, I'm about to do all the hard work. Shit, <laughs> figure it out. Where's the number from? 
Okay, I'll look at that. I come over there and fist fight you, and then you're gonna be trying to press charges. Uh huh. Because now I got it on <laughs> tape too, it, it so got a, I got. You got a witness, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and I got a witness. You don't even need a witness. Okay. You just go down there, and 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 do some this big, do some tears. This big African American. Yes, six man. foot two, running uh-huh. down the lodge <laughs> in the wrong direction, attacked me. And, and that's all you got to put on there. He and, looked like he had and, a hard time running. He was breathing heavy. And, wow. And cry, and cry and be a damsel. Okay. That's all you have to do, apparently. <laughs> Let's see where she's from. Well, while you looking that up, so I'm going to say that here's the thing about a criminal record, too, about our people just as a whole. A criminal record is literally a snapshot in time. And while some of us don't learn from our mistakes, a lot of us do learn from our mistakes. So the ones who don't learn from our, their mistakes and do it again and again and become recidivist, they're static. They're not moving. They're not learning. But the other ones, who, all of us who are more dynamic, we move, we grow, we learn. We're more dynamic. We learn from mistakes. We want to move forward and move on and do better. But the system is designed for consistent and repeat failure, especially in the African American community, the system is designed to keep to. It's a. It's mm-hmm. like a flytrap. We want somebody in the system, right? Who do we want in the system? Us, clearly. Mm-hmm. When yeah, you go clearly. into a fly, when a fly goes to a flytrap, it does not get back out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that part, and it's so sad. It's. It, uh, I. I mean, like, I can't even express how, how sad I am that you know that this is an issue that we're dealing with mm-hmm. currently. Like, as a black man, you know. Mm-hmm. I know it was harder for black men before us, but you know it's like 2019, and mm-hmm. we're still. It's still so many. It's it. so many traps set up for us, just for us three to be here and to be alive and to be free and yeah. to make it mm-hmm. into our thirties. Because that's an accomplishment. Thirties. Well, I'm just kidding. yeah, thirties. <laughs> Not everybody. Thirty. Don't put my. No, you listen. Got, you got, I'm, right. you I'm you in my late twenties. Okay, you far gone. <laughs> I'm after in my. 30. I'm in my. You run a laughs around thirty. <laughs> <laughs> You're in your what? What? You gonna tell a lie? I'm in here? my late twenties. Yeah. Then sure. I'm a teenager. I will press charges. I'm a newborn on baby. You. <laughs> I, I, will, I will press charges on both of y'all. For what? For for defamation of character, and they will no, stick. No, you lying. I will write a letter. <laughs> I am a white woman in America, and I have been verbally accosted and, then you're gonna and show verbally up. invaded by these two African-American men. You're going to show up, and they're going to be like, where's the white woman at? I will get somebody and pay them. <laughs> Dismissed. <laughs> exactly. You going to call my mom? <laughs> right. I'll call TT. Where's Barack Obama's mom from? Wichita, Kansas. Okay. That's exotic. Well, she studied. She went to the University of Hawaii. Yes. Beautiful. And I want to go to Hawaii. I've not been there just yet. Yeah. Her name is Anne. Yeah. Anne that's Dunham. So, so and, yes. Another thing that um, I wanted to talk about, I, I told a friend this. Like, when I was a teenager, I'm not even going to lie, I grew up, you know, East Side. East Side? Shout out to the East Siders. Even though I, um, I'm on the West now. but I, So I have no allegiance <laughs> to either side. Um <laughs> Detroit is Detroit. We okay. all here. We got to make it work together. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't even know what life was be like in my 30s. Like, it was such a reality, like, that you're, like, old by 27. You got a couple of kids. 
either you in and out you were in and out of jail or you dead was kind of the reality that was set forth to me like mm-hmm. you know you old past 27 so what what's what's life like past 27 is just right. like waiting to die but there's so much life out there mm-hmm. and as a black man i think even me as a youngster i didn't see that reality and when i told this to one of my friends a close friend of mine and she was like wow that's really sad that you didn't think of your 30s like you thought that, you know, you grow up watching, like, Tupac and stuff like that. He died at, like, 26. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, he lived a full life. Is that a full life? life? Well, that was my <laughs> mentality as a teenager. Right. Like, you got to go in and get it done. Like, by 30, mm-hmm. you 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 done. Like, you can die then and be happy by 30. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, as I got older, I progressed more. I, my mentality changed. But it is an accomplishment to, to be black free and able mm-hmm. to make moves at, at at this point in your life i don't Every know day. if gay has a factor or lgbt related has a factor that you're not living the other lifestyle that there's a different lifestyle mm-hmm. but if you take that factor out i'm pretty sure it may be a little bit harder mm-hmm. and just less i guess less i don't know um yeah it's, it's, it's rough out here. It, it's hard. Cause I'm, I, I'm definitely in tune with it. I'm in the city. I see it. I talk to a lot of people. I see a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there's a whole world out here. There's a whole yeah. life out here. That's the picture they paint for a lot of people, especially young brown people. But we don't There's get not to much it. outside of these walls. And it's that's why like, a lot of people have literally not been outside of these walls. Different place. Same, yeah. You're going to keep running into the same troubles, different place, and that's not the reality. But you have to right. change it because it's really, it, our brains are dirtied. And I would like mm-hmm. to, part of what my, my nonprofit wants to do, and you can take this as sound negative or not, don't give a damn, but I want to brainwash my people because our brains are dirty. I want to brainwash us to understand that so we have a clean thought process. We see each other as brother and sister. We're not trying to kill each other. I shouldn't be worried about walking down the street with my expensive Jordans on and think I'm going to get shot in the fucking head. I should be able to go up to Flint, Michigan in the roughest part of Flint, Michigan. I should be able to go to the roughest part of Detroit and get love from my own people Right, mm-hmm. but then we also need to figure out how to meet the needs of the people, so that way crime is something that doesn't have to exist. I should be able to meet. I have to re-educate our people, get them into different behavioral patterns, psychologically and physically. In in in, in as the, as an actor in society, they have to act and behave differently, but also clean their minds up so they think differently, and then get them some training, some education. Go be a plumber. Go be an electrician. Go do something where you can make some good money to take care of your Go family. Go into tech. Go into tech for sure. Everything. Go into the military. Go Go into the military. To the military. Go into tech, tech, any tech program Mm -hmm. because absolutely robotics, anything. Even McDonald's is about to be. I won't have to deal with the shitty ass attitude Mm -hmm. if I go there, which is not ever. Coming out these jobs in the next twenty years. You got to be in tech. You got to be programming something. You got to be mm-hmm. resetting something. You and have you know to be what? telling these computers what to Instead do. Instead of and it being all people, the Asian right. folk and all the Indian folk, I want African-American folk to be out there doing the math and the technology and engineering for this stuff. We should be doing that stuff now. We've got the potential. We just don't know we have the potential because we're stuck and still enslaved. No one tells them. In our minds. Well, I will be the one I to tell them. I attest to that. Mm-hmm. Ramon, tell them. Because, like... Me growing up as well, I was really, really good at math, but I don't know what a person that's good at math do because you just, when you're in a Either certain environment, or, an engineer. Or an engineer. Or now I know. Architect, as I grew up, anything, as I went through school, Airplane pilot, all these things. Mm-hmm. But before then, I, I had no idea. Yes. What's up? Oh, is it my time? It, it's your time. I all mean, right. I thought. You just- 
I just pointed at you. I figured I'm you would like, be on top right. of it, but apparently no. I got to executive I'm all over produce. the place today, clearly. I see. I've got to executive clearly. produce everything here. <laughs> My goodness. When, when Maria mind. Renee is not here, you just don't know what to do with yourself. You do miss her, don't you? I do miss her. I don't. Aww. I told her yesterday I was going to miss her. It's 12 her hours of church. I told her to skip church so she could come to recording. Well. <laughs> It'll be all right. She'll be here next time. And she would have had a rich perspective on this too, but we'll do more conversations about this because we talked about a lot in this episode, but we're also going to talk about some more things that we can pull out of this episode and make individual shows. So A lot. The breaking up of families. That part. We'll say that for another time. We we didn't even assess the the breaking up of families. Just say Mm -hmm. that the man, a black man, is out the house. For six months, or the black man oh, is, the, you know, broke down because he's not working or stressed. The influence that it, I mean, just the 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 what it takes to the home, what it takes to the black family. So basically, home, right? you're saying you want to come back and record another episode with us? Well, I'm not about to get into my family issues. You don't <laughs> okay. have enough. No, you don't have I'm to get good. into your own. Just talking general. I'm not about to get into the childhood. Y'all ain't got that type of money. I, I, like, I that, that therapy runs deep. Nah, James, go ahead. Okay, so um, these are eight facts about the American criminal justice system. Number one, people of color are significantly overrepresented in the U.S. prison population, making up more than 60% of the people behind bars. Despite being only 13% of the overall U.S. population, 40% of those who are incarcerated are black. Latinos represent 16% of the overall population, but 19% of those who are incarcerated. On the other hand, whites make up 64% of the overall population, but account for only 39% of those who are incarcerated. Wow. Number two, people of color are more likely to become entangled in the criminal justice system, as we talked about today. Among black males born in 2001, one in three will go to prison at some point during their lifetimes. One in six Latino males will have the same fate. By contrast, only one out of every 17 white males is expected to go to prison. A similar pattern exists among women. One in 111 white women, one in 18 black women, and one in 45 Latina women will go to prison at some point. Furthermore, African Americans are two and a half times more likely to be arrested than whites. Pause. So did you say one in three black men? Yes. That's prison. That's not even jail. That's, that's prison. crazy. That's state, federal prison. That's prison. Straight okay. up prison. Wow. Terrible. All right. So number three, the so-called war on drugs has disproportionately affected people of color. Despite using and selling drugs at rates similar to those of their white counterparts, African-Americans and Latinos comp- com- Ooh, goodness, compromise. Why? It's not That's why I'm like, wait a minute. Comprise. Comprise. 62% of those in state prisons for drug offenses and 72% of those sentenced for federal drug trafficking offenses, which generally carry extreme mandatory minimum sentences. So what what we're saying here then, are you saying that although African Americans and Latinos are selling drugs at the same rate as their white counterparts, they're being imprisoned at an alarming rate of 62% in state prison and 72% for drug offenses. That Wow. For drug trafficking offenses, et cetera. So African-Americans and Latinos comprise 62% of those in state prisons for drug offenses and 72% of those sentenced for federal drug trafficking offenses. Wow. 
But they're doing the same thing mm-hmm. as their white counterparts. Mm-hmm. Everybody does it. Those wow. numbers are staggering for me. That really makes me feel upset. <sighs> are you ready for the next one? Yeah, that okay. just blew my mind. People of color, particularly black males, face longer sentences than their white non-Hispanic counterparts for similar crimes. According to the U.S. Sentencing Commission, between 2007 and 2011, sentences for black males were 19.5% longer than those for whites. Furthermore, black men were 25% less likely to receive sentences below the sentencing guidelines for the crime of which they were convicted. All right, next one. During traffic stops, people of color are more likely to be searched than their white counterparts, which is why I don't like driving. National survey data shows that blacks and Latinos are three times more likely to be searched than whites. Blacks are, blacks are searched in 6% of traffic stops and Hispanics are searched in 7% of stops, whereas whites are searched only 2% of the time. Can I say something about what you just said? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. So you see how you said that's why you don't like driving. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of these, how do you say, like, system status quo things that happen to black people that we all know mm-hmm. and are aware of that we have these higher chance, like the statistics that you're running down, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of black people not want to do this, not mm-hmm. want to do that, not want to drive, not want to go across this line, not want to do this. Even when not you go outside in, of the border of Detroit even. Even when you live in right and doing what you're supposed to, you just, you never know how that could take a backwards turn or how you exactly. could be criminalized or not even criminalized or just harassed because yeah. of black. And it's, it's so sad that we're still dealing with these issues. And in yeah. Detroit, it's really bad for yeah. me. I think that it's, it's severe here in Detroit. Yeah. I, um, when I went to Toronto a few weekends ago, we were stopped at the border on the way back. And I was so scared for my life. I didn't know why they were stopping us. They never told us why they were stopping us. But it was just me and one other person. It was a brown woman. They're asking, where do you work? You know, um, where, of course, all the basic questions like, where are you going? Where are you coming from, et cetera. But then they started asking, like, where we work, where we live. What did we plan on doing when we got there and stuff like that? Then all of a sudden, okay, pull over there underneath the, um, the whatever the fuck it's called. And I was there for about two hours. They searched me. Not a cavity search, but they searched me and everything. <laughs> and now I'm like, I don't want to go back across the fucking border. That was my first time as an adult going across the border and now I don't want to go back just well, because wait a minute wait a minute hold on so again I talked about earlier sometimes we I know have, what you mean some, sometimes we have as adults sometimes we make bad life choices we fuck up and we do things that cause us to get to the predicaments we are in what's the other part of that story that you did mention oh that's not my part of the story so I don't well the point that. is wait, the car that he was in because he so I so tell, I went tell to the Toronto. full story because what you're doing now I, I get there are some 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 issues and coming back across the border What's from Canada team? no it's coming, coming it's it's not my story to tell coming it has back nothing from to Canada, do with had, me what did it have like coming, what's them called them buds a little piece of the weed so, it probably had some weed residue somewhere there was weed normally in the that's what well, if coming, you want me to tell the story let me tell it coming hold on so anyway. coming back from Canada they're searched by U S yeah a U S side uh, people and so of course they're stained like a lot of the world is stained with the mental process of african-americans or brown people not being on the up and up so they're automatically on heightened alert anyway but also we so we got but we still got to be fair and tell the story impartially so go ahead and tell the last part of the story that you failed to mention 
Well, I, then I'll tell the whole pay. story. So I went to I'm Toronto for, for a bachelorette party. I rode there with a group of women. One of my friends, the bride, one of her friends drove from Pittsburgh or somewhere because she's a traveling surgical tech. So she was there for work. So she lives in Flint. I decided to ride back with her because I didn't want her riding four and a half, five hours by herself. So I left all of my bags and everything in the other car. So I'm riding home with her. We get to the border. We get stopped. We get inside. Next thing I know, they're calling us each back to get searched. They found a little bit of weed in the car. It was a rental car, so it could have been the people before. It could have been hers because she smokes. I smoked not that heavily. I didn't buy any when I was in Toronto. My bags were in the other car, so I didn't have anything on me. So after they searched me, they're like, oh, you're good. You know, she has it on her, so she's going to have to pay. Um, But you're good. She had to pay $500 right there or they weren't going to let her leave. But they told her, like, oh, this would have been $5,000, but um, you're nice, and Brandon's nice, so, oh, oh, there's my name. But um, So we talked to our boss, and he said you only had to pay $500. So there's the whole story. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we got to tell stories impartially, because we won't grow as a people unless we know and grow together. Don't just, hey, so that's a lesson. Don't make sure if you get a rental car, Make sure you search it so there. Make sure the, there's no weed in the car. If you are a smoker, make sure you don't have any weed in the car when crossing the border. Make sure you hide it very well. Put in your what's it called a snatch. Put in your snatch or whatever you got to mm-hmm. do. Because then if they do a cavity search, they are gonna find it in there. But they have no reason to do one <laughs> if you're just sitting there and it's there. They don't. They can't see. Well, it. but gonna... they also didn't have it to my knowledge because they never told me why they initially and I wasn't driving. They didn't tell us why they initially pulled us over. But they, they just had us go under the thing. So they didn't search through the car before that. It was like, we're in the car. They're like, roll down the windows, open the trunk. He comes back, closes the trunk, and he's like, okay, go over there. And I'm like, hmm, okay. Like, what what the fuck is going on? The next thing I know, they said they found this little bitty bud of weed. And now that she has to pay $500. Lesson learned. Good that she had the resources but to do it. The the little the little end piece, that's one they used to get oh a roach the roach yeah or yeah like they smoked it all the way down and they leave that piece Mm -hmm. that normally gets people I know a couple of people that go back and forth across the border and Mm -hmm. that little piece you put it out you still got to sit there and it's sitting in the car that's what they trip a lot of people up for so Mm -hmm. So the story sounds kind of familiar to me yeah check to make sure you don't have it in your car if you're everything right go ahead James All right, so students of color continue to face harsher punishments at school than their white non-Hispanic counterparts. A 2010 study found that more than 70% of students who are involved in school-related arrests or referred to law enforcement are black or Latino. Furthermore, black students are three times more likely to be suspended or expelled than white students. During the 2011 to 2012 school year, 16% of black K-12 students were suspended, compared with 7% of Latino students and 5% of white students. Oh, I need a sip of water. <laughs> All right. That sounded like good water. It is some good water. Number seven, people of color are extremely over, overrepresented in the juvenile justice system. According to a 2014 report on racial discrimination in America, juveniles of color represented 67% of juveniles committed to public facilities nationwide, nearly twice their share of the juvenile population. Despite comprising only 15% of the juvenile population, 
black juveniles were arrested two times more often than their white counterparts. And number eight, voting restrictions on the formerly incarcerated have disenfranchised millions of voters, particularly African-Americans. Today, approximately 5.9 million people are not able to vote due to felony convictions, while laws vary from state to state, with some allowing for restoration of voting rights. One in 13 blacks nationwide are disenfranchised due to felony convictions. In Florida, Kentucky, and Virginia, more than one in five black adults are denied the right to vote. So we just learned, I don't know if that, what we just learned about what President Obama did, if that actually is blanket or if that, because what the statistic you just read says that some people are, some people are not. So we'll have to do some research on that. But if you're listening, do some research. Uh, know if people are able to vote. And please, if you got people, family members who went to jail and got felonies or what have you, make sure they get out of vote, especially with the political climate we're in right now. We have the president, we have everybody <laughs> needs to fucking vote. Mm-hmm. I don't understand what's so difficult about going to fucking vote. Just go out and vote. Look at the issues. Go vote. I'm going to do a whole podcast on voting. So I like to be a president for that. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. But I know you got you got people lined up. You know. No, I don't have anybody lined up yet. You can be on there as well. Feel mm-hmm. free. You, you're a friend to the show. Well, you're a friend of a friend to the show. Of course. Uh, so listen, potential actions you could do in this world: place more pressure on people, make them more accountable, who consider themselves to be allies to the minority community. Honestly, if you got people that say yes, I believe in you know equal rights and civil rights, blah blah blah. Push on them. Make make sure people are using their privilege to help you gain access to the privilege that you deserve as well if you are an ally of the community and you're listening please use your privilege to help everybody else out who is not privileged like you be an ally be accountable let's make people accountable get educated get into positions become judges lawyers sheriffs get into the positions that are like the the houston 18 or houston 19 get into positions where you have power to oversee um you know a, a a criminal case and make sure that if someone deserves to be punished rightfully fine but if they don't deserve it don't put them in jail. Get into the mm-hmm. positions of the people who are persecuting you right now. Get into those positions. Get yourself some education. And don't, when you get into these ed positions, do not be a reverse racist while participating in the criminal justice process or any other process, whatever you are. If you climb up the, the social ladder, the, the legal ladder, the corporate ladder, don't be a reversed racist. That is very, very annoying. If you want to add to the conversation with, with what Rashid and I and uh, James and I have spoken about today. Reach us at eatcornbreadandcaviar at gmail.com or on Instagram at eatcornbreadandcaviar. And now it's time for the positive vibe. I feel like we need some music right there when we say positive vibe. We need to get some sound effects in here. Why don't you two sing? Oh, Rasheed can't sing right the damn. Now, I am a karaoke singer for sure. I, I did, can sing. I did tell him that. <laughs> now, look. I pressured him to sing, and then I was like, uh-uh, don't you <laughs> Oh, me? Yeah. You remember? At the phone party. I can't sing. But I'm not in denial like some people to my left. <laughs> she said that I cannot sing. You know what? I'm not doing this negativity. This is a positive vibe. Rashid spoke the truth. It's facts. No, it's not facts. Pudding pop. <laughs> right. Here's a positive vibe for today. There are several small steps that you can take each day to radiate happiness and positivity around you in a way to show people how you appreciate them and not you know not just for your nearest and dearest people but the entire world start passing these positive vibes on to others you'll notice a large change in yourself and those around you smile you want to know one of the easiest ways to pass on positive vibes just 
smile. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, say hi. You know what I'm saying? Uh, no one is ever going to be offended. Uh, this is something by Amy Anderson, founder and CEO of MetaConnect. Well, now. She need to come to the city. Mm, okay. <laughs> she says no one's ever going to be downtown. offended. Okay. Right, right. She's going to the east side. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, if all of us start practicing this, I think it would be powerful, especially on the east side. Like if it's just a community of us, I do my best to smile and speak or at least speak in a positive, upbeat tone to my people when I see them, especially. I do it to everybody because I'm friendly. Of course. But I definitely do it to my people because we don't get a lot of people smiling at us. We get people scowling at us, grabbing their pocketbooks, whatever. Even our own do it to our own. So mm-hmm. these things, I think if we practice them as a community, it'll be very helpful. Amy says that no one is ever going to be offended by having a stranger say hello to them. In fact, they'll be grateful because nine <laughs> times out of ten, everyone else in the room is feeling as awkward and as, and as uncomfortable as you are. In a room, I can see that. Yeah, In yeah. a room, more than a neighborhood. If you're in a social place. Mm-hmm. Social that too, but you have to practice it out in the real world too. Be mm-hmm. polite. How great does it feel whenever someone smiles at you and, and they are sincerely polite? Um, express gratitude. Every day, whether in the morning or at night, think about it. There's a list of things that you could be grateful for. Just say, you know, I really appreciate you for doing this. Like, for example, James, I really appreciate the hard work you do on the podcast. Thank, thank you so much for I what you do. Oh, thank I, you. How thank do you appreciate it? You know what he does. I appreciate you, Rashid, for He's appreciating <laughs> James, and I appreciate you for being here with us today. You see how quickly that turned down me. because we talking about being nice to people. Positive and shit. Vibes. And then the first Did thing you, you do, how oh, you appreciate you, don't even know what he does. You know what the next one is? Forgive. <laughs> Forgiveness can be extremely difficult to do, especially when you've been wronged by someone or when you accept the mistakes that you've made. But forgiving someone and yourself is part of the healing process. So there, forgive me. I love that. I'm, I'm I'm all about forgiving people. Absolutely. You know, even your persecutors. I don't care. I'm forgive you, and I'm gonna count my blessings. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I'm gonna put them last two together and mm-hmm. moving forward. Yeah, you gotta forgive it. them for yourself. Be generous as well. Be very generous. Um, next, show random acts of kindness. This one is part of being generous to me. Now, this is something I do. Now, Maria Renee, she's not here this day, but she often talked about how when she sees the police, she, you know, flags them down, asks them if they're hungry or need something to drink, can she get them a coffee? And that was such a a moving thing for me. I thought that was beautiful that she does that because that's part of the problem. We see police officers, whether they're white, black, or whatever, and the relationship to the community sucks because we're on guard, they're on guard, but if you just break down Mm -hmm. the barrier and say, hey, you guys hungry? Can I get you something to eat? Can I... I think that's beautiful. Like, and something I do is when I'm at Starbucks, I will um, often pay for the people behind me. I'll say, hey, put their bill on my order. I want to pay for them too. And just tell them to pay it for it. You know, I tell the barista to give them that message when they pull up. And they are sitting there like, wow. <laughs> you some, a trap. Somebody did something nice for me and, you know, pay it for it. You know? You're going to make them pay it for it. <laughs> yes. Because if you do, if it's supposed to, the whole point of it is for it to perpetuate. And that's mm-hmm. a good thing to perpetuate. You don't want to perpetuate foolishness, at least perpetuate the kindness, being generous and showing random acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. Um, pay everyone the same level of respect now this is tough because some people just don't want to do it but if you show everyone the same level of respect then i think the world would be a better place pay the black man old white woman with a lot of money from the suburbs Mm. look at the african-american man whose hair to you looks coarse but our, our natural hair is beautiful pay him the same respect that you might pay your husband or your girlfriend uh, African-American man in the inner city, when you see the old white woman from the suburbs, 
Be respectful. Pay respects to her. Say hello. How are you? Be polite to one another. Be generous. Be kind. And finally, pay someone a compliment. Pay someone a compliment that, you know, hey, you know, I really like those shoes. I really like that hairstyle. I really like that shirt, that blouse, whatever. Pay a compliment. Now, typically my positive vibes are stuff that comes from my soul, but I wanted to put this one out here today because I really liked the message that this one had. I think it was really great. These are really good and simple things that don't really cost you anything that you can do to create a better environment for yourself and maybe even help bolster, you know, or or, sorry, reduce and mitigate (laughs) recidivism and criminal justice issues in the world today. Because if you're nice to people, they'll be nice to you. They might not rob you. So. Hopefully. Hopefully. We really want to thank you guys for listening today. Um, I absolutely have a cop on one day. Oh, I want to throw that to. out there in the energy, the cops that's listening. I want a white cop particularly. It doesn't matter. I want a white cop. I, I feel like, the, I feel a, like black a black cop will have more interesting story mm-hmm. because they're, they're on both sides and, yeah. no, and they're no. connected. I think they both would because the white cop can explain how people, based on all the things like the the, the Michael Browns and the Eric Garners, all those things that were related to white cops, the white cop will have a good story to talk about because of how things might change in the neighborhood, especially the Detroit cop, if he's white, to say, hey, you know what? This is some stuff that I've been dealing with because of all these other things that are out there. But the black cop dealing with it too. The whole he, precinct, mm-hmm. the changes is coming for everybody. Absolutely. The tension would be there for mm-hmm. everybody. But it won't be, it's more tension for a white cop. So but I think show is it? Both of them. <laughs> it's Joe show, Ramal. This is the people show. This is the people who are listening. This is their That's show. That's why I sit over so here and he I says. don't say anything. So he says. That's not true because you no. say a lot and I you do. are invited to the conversation quite often. Oh, you just choose to sit your ass there and say no. Because he was taking care of it already. I was like, I'm going to let him. He can do it. I'm going to just sit over here. I think a black and a white <laughs> cop would be good. Not just a black cop. I think both would be good. Any cop. Any mm-hmm. cop. Any cop. Particularly a white one. So listen, we want to thank you for listening today. Um, This was a very deep topic for me because I do have family members who have been incarcerated, are currently incarcerated, maybe headed to incarceration. Um, (laughs) And it's something that I, and I don't like the fact that it's sometimes we, like I said, we do make bad decisions, but at the same time, it is a fucked up system that needs to be revamped strongly. And I would love for one of the presidential candidates to make this an issue for themselves and really drive this home. Um, please, please, please subscribe, rate, share, and comment. It literally costs you nothing but a few seconds of time. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. We're out here, so help us out and share us out. Um, if you want to contact us, uh, eat cornbread and caviar at gmail.com. Tell us you love us. Tell us you hate us. Anything you have to say, because we appreciate the haters as well as the congratulators. So um, follow us on Instagram at eat cornbread and caviar. You can slide into our DMs there as well. Um, listen, thank you so much. We really appreciate you. This is Ramon. I am your host of Cornbread and Caviar, a podcast. And we are out. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network.